Well, that's on YouTube. This is Mr. Beat here, and we have a, a guest tonight for 10 questions that is different, quite different than my other guests I've had on this show so far. Uh, yeah, sorry, I'm slightly l late there. I, I, thanks for being here, by the way, everyone in the, in the chat. Uh, and uh, also, I'm supposed to always promote my Twitch. Uh, I, I Twitch, I, I live react to uh, history, um, economics, and geography content over on Twitch, 9 a.m. Uh, on Monday morning, Central Time. Okay, at that out of the way. Tonight, I have come up with 10 questions to ask our guest, uh, which, who is R.M. Brown. Before I bring R.M. on, just want to introduce him. He's not considered an edgy tuber or a history tuber. He's, uh, I guess, kind of a reaction channel of sorts. Um, but I'm, and obviously leans to the left politically. There's, I mean, that's pretty obvious. But what I really appreciate about his channel, which I, I stumbled upon it probably about six months ago or so, is his use of uh, just quirky, surrealist uh, humor that really uh, just cracks me up. And a lot of the content he reacts to that he adds context to is, uh, it's very, it's pretty cringy, uh, <laughs> right wing, uh, pundits, basically. Most of these pundits are, who are, you know, they're the grifting variety that, that like to, uh, profit from hate and division. So, uh, that's kind of how I stumbled. I think it was probably Ben Shapiro is one of the, the videos he was reacting to when I first came across him and, Thank you, Algorithm Gods. But anyway, without further ado, uh, give a warm welcome to R.M. Brown. Hey, thank you. I don't have the sound effects like you do. Uh, I know. I wish I could pipe those in somehow, but... That's on YouTube. <laughs> That's on YouTube. Oh, uh, yeah. Damn it. Sniffing. No. Damn it. So, uh, yeah, so I... I'll just randomly say some of your your sound bites uh, throughout. Don't worry about that. But yeah, so I want to thank you for. It's funny because when uh, we reached out, I had I told my uh, significant other, uh, Mrs. Beat, she's the one who actually reached out to you to begin with, and I was like, yeah, I heard he's hard to get a hold of. I don't know if you might as well try. What the hey? See if he responds. And you did. So thank you for responding. Um, you seem to be like your channel is starting to catch on i think this past year right like i think so it got kind of like in the algorithm really really heavily in like late 2020 i think and i got i got lucky because some people who i follow on youtube let me come on their show and that helped too so yeah i think it i think it kind of is people are starting to find it or or people are it's starting to get discovered again without like the full power of the algorithm which kind of you know i don't know if i got if if because a lot of people a lot of political youtubers like um kyle kalinsky they have been speculating that uh you know um independent you know you know news commentary or stuff is a little they don't want that in the algorithm as much but who knows who knows you know but i've been, i've definitely been lucky on youtube that people have found it yeah so uh I mean, I guess that for those of you who don't who's never seen an episode of this, like, and this is also a podcast too on Spotify. It's called uh, no, no. What's this? It's called the Beat Pod. Is what we call the podcast. Anyway, the Beat so, Pod. 
What we did is we came up with 10 open-ended questions to ask each other ahead of time, but we didn't tell each other what we were going to ask. And the idea is that it makes it a better conversation. And so we'll go for at least, uh, well, we'll probably go for about a couple hours tonight and uh, try not to get too far off track. And then if there, we have extra time, it's always kind of fun to like take, take questions from the audience. You know, I know that there's some folks here that are fans of you that they're a, uh, they're a different breed, the folks who watch you. I mm -hmm. guess I, I'm included. I'm a big fan. Yeah, this is, I was also telling uh, RM here before we started that it's it's a weird parasocial relationship. Like RM, you're from, you were familiar with me because you stumbled upon my videos before. Uh, but I would say I'm more familiar with you. Like I literally will watch almost every new release you have <laughs> Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Oh my God, um, amazing, amazing. Yeah, so don't want to make it too awkward, but if, people watching notice like why does mr beat know so much about this guy it's kind of creepy <laughs> why is he stalking him no i just watch his videos a lot uh but That's yeah so super flattering especially coming from somebody who's like a real youtuber with the plaque and all that stuff it's like i feel like i'm uh you know i feel like uh you know a real nba player is saying like hey you had a pretty good uh you got a pretty good jump shot or something, you know, so it feels well, good. I used to play in the NBA as well. <laughs> okay. uh, no, kidding. I heard uh, about it. I read about that. And that, that's what makes you a real YouTuber, eh, is that plaque behind me. I, uh, you'll get one of those soon. Don't worry. Okay. I'm working, working on it. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I'll ask my question first to kind of break the ice here. Uh, ice, okay. How did you get into all of this? Like what, what inspired you to start a YouTube channel and start doing all this? Um, you know, really just, well, is two things. It was that I kind of really started doing uploading videos every day during the pandemic. Cause it was like, I had really nothing else to do. I was working from home and I was like, I, I, I don't really have an excuse to not do this every day. So I just started doing it every day. And that's how the algorithm figured out what the content is and then who to give it to, I think. Um, so yeah, it was, it was mostly just a, a why not kind of thing. That's pretty much it. And 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 the the type of content I do is, I don't know, it's just that there's so much stupid stuff on there. And so much kind of like blatant, like you were saying, I, I thought the, the lead up was really good is like cr kind of cringy and like really obvious um, misleading things and stuff like that. So I was just like, this is sort of a no-brainer to kind of respond to this stuff, you know? Yeah, especially, I think that, I mean, you don't even, you're not even really political, I notice. Like, it's more just, uh, like, the, one of the, your most common sound effects that you insert when you're reacting is the money sign. And th the older I get, the more I realize, like, we like to pretend that everything's not about money, <laughs> but it really is, like, everything. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it's like, well, it's definitely the thing that's going to motivate you in ways that like you might not even be aware of. Like I was thinking like, you know, in Austin, I was I was just like talking to somebody out at a restaurant and we were talking about sort of the wealthier side of Austin. And and, you know, we started talking about people who, who like almost are compulsively accumulating wealth and stuff like that way more than they need and you know basically they don't have really you know like they're really like attached to that and i think that 
there's something psychological about that where it's it's not just like I don't ever want to be broke or poor. It's that I don't even want that to ever be a possibility. You know, I think there's just there's all kinds of psychological things about money that I think we're probably not even aware of that are operating, you know. Um, but of course, like the most obvious ones are right on the surface. And a lot of that we do see in in politics and stuff. So, you know, it, it, I think you're right. It, it's it's the main motivator. And we're not I, exempt from it, by the way. Like we're not oh, on a high horse because think not, about yeah. It. yeah, like you're more likely to cover Ben Shabino or yeah. ben, ben Shapiro. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I'm more likely to cover controversial content because I, I knew that when I made a video about anti-Semitism that it would do well. And sure mm. enough, it's one of my, <laughs> it has mm. like 5 million, 6 million views. Mm. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you have kind of have to, you, I mean, yeah, none of us are exempt from the game, which is why, you know, I don't, I don't know, it, 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 it pokes some holes in, in the, the, actually one of the questions I was going to ask you, but related to this, but um, it pokes some of the holes in the idea of a sort of a any not even a pure meritocracy, but anything that could be considered like a fair meritocracy. If you if you're because uh, you know a lot of I I know I would want to if I had a a kid I would really want to put as much money and resources resources in, into that kid that I have you know so so yeah I I think there's there's a lot to it that we, that we, uh, that we don't always consider. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I was, I always say, first of all, Satan's in the chat. Uh, thanks for the, thank you, Satan. Um, yeah, that's kind of nice of Satan. Wow. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I, <laughs> I loved teaching. Like I loved being in the classroom with students. Um, and I do miss it from time to time, but I do think, it was the right decision to leave the classroom and pursue making videos full time because of the pay. And mm -hmm. what's crazy to me is like when I first started teaching, it was before I had kids and now I have two daughters. And after I had kids, um, I actually had this overwhelming regret um, that I was like, man, I, I was selfish that I chose a career that I wanted, I, you know, cause I never chose a career for the money. I chose mm -hmm. it cause I was passionate and I wanted to do it. But now crap, I have student loan debt and mm. I'm not going to be able to pass any wealth down to my children. I won't be able to pay for college for them, you know? Right. Yeah. So that was, uh, I mean, it all worked out because now I'm like a YouTube star, uh, <laughs> makes millions of dollars. Like I'm up there with Logan Paul now, but uh, absolutely. You're selling those <laughs> NFTs and all this stuff now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's right. All kind of doing all kind of scams like that. You gotta, gotta do it. <laughs> gotta do it. <laughs> Uh, well, go ahead and add, you can, we can yeah. go ahead and order. What's the question that was uh, adjacent to what you're talking about? Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask you what, what as in terms, cause, cause you're obviously like a very knowledgeable historian, I feel like. And what, what to you is like the most misunderstood thing about us history? Or do you think that there's some, this is what sparked my thought this is what sparked this when when you were talking about that what's a like uh, what do you think is like an american myth or is there like some foundational american myth or something like well i guess the question is like in general what's the what's the least what's the most misunderstood thing about u.s history and is there some persistent myth about the united states yeah there there are quite a few examples which 
is partially what got me into history to begin with, like, because I would learn in class about something and then find out about something outside of class and wonder why wasn't I ever taught that, you know? Uh, first of all, though, Jorick says that we're two intellectual lightweights, so I guess I'm, I'm not smart <laughs> enough. So maybe I shouldn't answer this question. Jeez, Jorick. <laughs> yeah. I'm, okay. I. You know what? We'll just take the stream down. Just take yeah. The stream we're gonna down. quit. We're gonna shut down the channel now. Uh, no. Anyway, uh, the the event that I always like. It's pretty much my go-to for a question like that. Is um, the Philippine American War. I feel like this is something, and I actually uh, brought this up when I did a video looking at old textbooks. Um, but it's a it's an event that rarely gets brought up in American history curriculums. It's uh, a, a lot of times it's lumped together with the Spanish American War. I got to right. ask you: Did you learn about the Philippine American War when you were in school? Definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna make a video about it uh, in a few months. But yeah, I, please. I mean, it's a. I understand why uh, it's not brought up much in American history classrooms because uh, it, the United States government was responsible for atrocities. Um, it the treatment of the Filipino population was uh, horrific in in some instances, and I mean, there were concentration camps. We had concentration camps. Uh, torture, you know. Um, the R word, which I, if I say that, the this, this live stream will automatically be age restricted. So, if you know what the R word is, it's a four letter word. That horrible thing. Yeah. So, uh, it's it's uh, something that's whitewashed because it's uh, American troops that were there did horrible things, and then we didn't allow the Filipinos to have independence because that's what they wanted. That's why we were fighting Spain in the Spanish American War. They assumed that, oh, yeah, we would be independent. We wouldn't be tri controlled by another colonial population afterward. And they were, and they didn't gain their independence in, um, until several decades later. And that was after, like, so many atrocities and yada, yada. So uh, that's usually what I bring up. Like, yeah, check it out. Um, it's going to be depressing for you to learn about. <laughs> but, but, yeah, I encourage everyone to learn about the Philippine-American War. Mm -hmm. so. That's a good one. Okay. That's something that it sounds like uh, a lot of well, a lot of these historical things. I read that book, The Jakarta Method, last year, I think, or maybe whenever it came out. And it was a it's a lot of stuff about, uh, you know, Indonesia that I, I really did not know about. I mean, well, you know, it, it's sort of like, you know, I kind of maybe knew a little bit about that stuff, but um, and sort of the CIA and all that stuff. But uh to, to the degree to which the similar to, to what you were talking about, the, the degree to which some of this, some of this stuff, like how could this, how, like, how do we not teach this? How do we not know this? This is like a crucial thing to know about history. I feel like, so yeah, it's sort of, sort of weird. Definitely my history in high school, you know, I got better instructors and, and class, you know, in lessons and stuff in college but in high school, we really didn't touch any. I mean, it was a very, you know, whitewashed version of history, especially American history. I got to ask, I, I had never even heard of the Jakarta method. I feel a little embarrassed to say, I guess I'm, I am an intellectual lightweight here. I have never heard of that. So what's like the basic thing that it's uh, about? Um, I'll, I'll actually, I pulled up the, uh, the, the, cause I don't want to like, uh, say to my own stupid words, 
but it's basically <laughs> about <laughs> here. I'll just read this: the hidden story of uh, slaughter in Indonesia, Latin America, and around the world, backed by the United States. It's basically about um, sort of like you know, um, it, it's really a lot about anti-communism, sort of um, uh, you know. Uh, cold war stuff but really like the cia doing these kind of secret anti-communist missions and especially mm. in, in in indonesia um they had a sort of populist president that the u.s according to this book um i you know i'd like to get your uh opinion on the book if you ever have time to check it out but according to this book you know um they really didn't like this sort of populist leftist leader and they they you know, the military did all kinds of terrible things to to get involved and make sure that they're to, to suppress any kind of leftist or communist movie, uh, a movement there. And it's it gets very, the same kind of um, really horrific stuff that you were talking about. There's a couple movies that came out related to it, two documentaries that I cannot remember the name of. I know Werner Herzog produced one or both of them. Um, I can't remember the name, but they're really well made. Uh, documentaries but yeah that's that's just one thing i did not know about for history and there's a lot for me as a you know an intellectual uh, lightweight like that guy was saying i i you know a lot of this stuff i don't know and need to catch up on you know i i have no yeah i would like to read that book um i do own this book i always recommend it it's oh gosh the glare oh yeah yeah Over i've been meeting by stephen kinzer yeah i've been meaning to read that forever that's like on on my been on my list for a long time it's a good read too, because uh, Kinzer is a—he has a journalist background. He—he he was a reporter for the New York Times, and so it's much more readable than. No offense, but most historians are really boring with their books. Mm -hmm. uh, so I always recommend like journalist accounts. Uh, but yeah, like it's all about. I, there's nothing about. Um, as far as I I know, there's I looked in the index. There's nothing about Jakarta and their Indonesia at all. But there's lots about Latin America, yeah. uh, the shenanigans in the Middle East. And yeah, the CIA was working. I mean, a lot. it's funny, too, because we, we blame presidents. I'm kind of known as the president's guy on YouTube here. And I got <laughs> a lot of comments when I made a video about Dwight Eisenhower, like, oh, all the coups that he was responsible for, uh, Guatemala, Iran. And I always push back a little bit. I'm just like, you know, the president really doesn't have as much control as you think. Mm -hmm. Like, they kind of know what's going on. But a lot, a lot of times they're just like, I mean, so I understand like why people get so upset about whatever they think the deep state is. I mean, because mm -hmm. the deep, I mean, the deep state does exist. It, it's mm -hmm. the CIA. They, there's a lot of secret stuff that goes down and a lot of it's unethical. Mm -hmm. uh, so. <laughs> well, yeah, the, I mean, there's a lot of it just seems like a sort of the, the way that it makes sense to me is there are, you know, there are people who are are pretty powerful and they have a you know they have interests and they're looking out for the interests of powerful entities in America you know and you know sometimes you 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 make really you do really terrible things to defend um those interests sometimes at least it seems like that to me that like quote unquote deep state version of history which i have other questions about that for you too by the oh, way oh nice yeah 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 um it just seems like that's that's the way it made sense to me and again you know i you know i'm learning i'm always trying to learn about this stuff but that that the deep state isn't some it's not like you know it's not like a secret society i think i was actually gonna ask you about the freemasons too but but it's not it's not as much like that as it is like 
just like big companies that want want to maintain cheap labor or whatever, some kind of trade relationship, and they end up doing terrible things to like defend that or something like that. At least that's how it makes sense to me, you know? Yeah, yeah. It, incentives. We respond to incentives. It's that, and as a country, it's all geopolitics, like resources most of the time. And exactly resources, right? That's yeah. that's what I was trying to grasp for. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Before we, uh, somebody, I try to recognize the super chats because they, you know, again, money. Of course. Cha-ching, cha-ching. Yeah. Cha I wish we had the sound. <laughs> uh, Rick May, thank you very much. What's your opinion on knowing better? Well, guess what? Knowing better is going to do a future episode of this. Uh, so. Uh, uh, he's a friend of mine and yeah, check him out. Okay. My next question for, for you, RM is, uh, what was it like? I, I, I found out watching you all the time that you grew up in Florida. So what was it like growing up as a Florida man? Or I guess if you were <laughs> Florida boy, Florida man, child, whatever you want to call it. I was in the news a lot as Florida man. That's me. <laughs> They're talking about me all that. I, I, lo I love it. I mean, there's a lot that's great about Florida. I always make fun of it and I call it like a terrible state that should be cut off the map and pushed into and, and obviously like the stuff that's going on politically there you know in the higher reaches of government is pretty terrible i think you know um there's a lot of really sort of um i don't know like hateful stuff that that's coming out of at least to me you know um in 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 the government there so uh, you know that's sort of what i'm making fun of but generally i mean it's there's so much of it that's so beautiful you know, I went all over the state. There's great beaches, you know, it's the weather is always pretty perfect. So, you know, it's a shame about it's a shame about some of the other stuff. But in general, I really liked growing up there, to be honest. Did you did you grow up in Kansas City? Where did you grow up? I grew up by Wichita. Uh, OK, shout out to Augusta, Kansas. Uh, yeah, it's it's south central Kansas. Um, OK, got it. Do you like what, Kansas? What part of Florida? I Oh, I grew up mostly in Miami. Oh, Miami, of course. Yeah. That's the yeah. best yeah. part. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what were you saying that? What were you asking? Oh, I was going to ask you if you like living in Kansas. I've only like kind of oh. spent short amounts of time in Kansas. It seems pretty nice. Impressive that you've been here. Uh, yeah, no, it's <laughs> usually, I mean, it's known as a flyover state for good reason, but I, <laughs> I do, uh, it has a certain charm for sure. I think I do like the fact that I like wide open spaces and it's nice to kind of have space here. There's just less people. Um, oh, yeah. But at the same time, there's not a lot of history here other than bleeding Kansas that all that. And w I live in a part of the state where there was a lot of violence during the, the 1850s for sure. But other than that, not a lot of history. And then of course I, I like mountains uh, and there's no mountains near here at all. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that, the Rocky Mountains used to be in Kansas. Uh, then Colorado stole them from us. Mm. But that's like people also don't realize that Kansas is like it takes more than it takes like eight and a half hours to drive across the state from corner to corner. If you to go. It's a big state. So, mm. uh, yeah. yeah. All anyway. right. Should I ask? Should I ask you another question? I have some pretty good ones in here, not to show off, but I do have some pretty good ones in here. Go ahead. Yeah, here we go. This is probably the one that I might be most interested in. But did you see 
I, I think you're you're interested in JFK, right? It seems Absolutely. like okay. Uh, I, did you see that new stuff that came out? That seems like there's some, I don't know, uh, uh, revelations about uh, the assassination. You, okay, for, that's the first question. Did you see that? And second of all, what's your opinion in general about that assassination and that time period and all that? I'm gonna get myself in trouble here. I'm, I'm a bit controversial on this because. Yeah. Okay, I will I will preface this by saying that I did when I was younger. Well, mm-hmm. first of all, I grew up very religious. Uh and then when I was older, I replaced religion with conspiracy theories. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good one. It's a good religion, conspiracy it, theories. Yeah, they they go, I mean, I I say the same thing about ideology like ideology can be like a religion, but you, yeah. you just kind of go all in and you're uncritical with it, you know. Yes, uh, I believe that too. <laughs> <laughs> so like even 9/11 like uh I was like this would have been like 2005 or 2006. I was like kind of going deep in, but I eventually got out of all the conspiracies once I, you know, learned more information. Mm -hmm. The one that I never fully got out of though, was the JFK assassination conspiracy theories. I don't have any um, assertions that I know what happened. Mm. I don't think most researchers that look into this stuff do either. Yeah. Um, But you know, there's a lot we don't know. And I think that there are red flags because I've been following it. Like they didn't declassify everything and they were supposed to, it was supposed to happen this, this past year and they didn't do it. And Weird. some of the stuff they're leaving out, uh, does make the CIA look like, Oh, maybe they were involved. Maybe they knew, uh, Lee Harvey Oswald quite well. Maybe yeah, that's, were, that was the, them. that was one of the big revelations that they kind of did know, uh, old uh, Lee Harvey as well. That's interesting. Yeah. Cause I mean, I actually was, I'm planning on making a video about the JFK assassination. I'm trying to, I'm going to try to make it balanced and bring in as many sources as I can, you know, like, because there, I, I've shifted more to the direction of like lone gunman uh, in, in recent years, but still I can't fully go there because it, it just is such a, a freak thing, you know, like the whole magic bullet theory never sat. I mean, I know theoretically the magic bullet theory, it could happen. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. I've, I've conceded that. Uh, but wouldn't there be like, I don't know if you look at other, um, evidence that's there, it just seems like it ends up leaving more questions than answers. And I, and if you keep hiding information, even all these years later, um, and Something. I get why they do. Ever since yeah. Nixon, Nixon screwed it up for everyone. But ever yeah. since Nixon, we haven't, well, maybe ever since the JFK assassination, but especially after Nixon, uh, generally Americans just don't trust government anymore, you know? And that's what led to Reagan. Yeah. Like, big reason. Like, they're, well, uh, government just wastes our money. You know, we can't trust them with our taxes. Mm-hmm. And then they're hiding secrets from us. Like, <laughs> the church committee was, uh, it was awesome, but it also kind of like kind of permanently put out there like, yeah, they were they were up to uh, the deep state was up to stuff. That's yeah. Never do it again. But we yeah. know they're still doing crap. You know? Right, right, right. right. <laughs> and people have a lot of problems with the church committee in terms of like, oh, like, um, you know, the people that were running it are part of the. You know, there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that that comes up with that, too. You know, that people think that like it's it never really got a fair or real investigation you know well what's so, your opinion about the gfk assassination 
I don't for a while I read that book, The Devil's Chessboard. I'm I think my what I would really say is I don't know. There's definitely a lot of fishy stuff about it. Um obviously for people living that time during that time, it was probably a, a horrific, you know, traumatic thing. So I don't like yeah. to make too much of a goof about it, you know. But um the devil's chessboard theory is basically that um, you know, I don't know if you read any of that book, but uh it's no. basically like he thinks the Dulles brothers were behind yeah. behind everything. They were they, shady. They are extremely sketchy characters. And the sort of the idea that it was basically a ruling class turf war of some kind kind of resonates with me a little bit. But again, we'll never know. And it all sort of amounts to creative fiction, creative yeah. nonfiction, creative nonfiction in the end, because it's it's there's so much that you kind of have to speculate on. But, you know, he th that guy did dig up some things that indicate a lot of animosity. And also, I don't know what you think of this, but it feels that whole thing when you when you go through it and you watch it and you watch that there's like multiple assassinations. It feels like people that are think they can get away with anything if this were a conspiracy, people could get away with anything and have a lot of resources to get people to do stuff. That's the convincing part to me. But again, in the end, I, I don't think we'll uh, at least maybe I don't know. We might never really have conclusive, really conclusive proof of anything, you know? So. Yeah, we call that conjecture and it's fun to speculate. But yeah, you're right. And yeah, but, you know, the 60s being so turbulent, you, you mentioned all the assassinations during the 60s. A lot of times these assassinations were of figures who were very popular. With yeah. people. Um, actually, Martin Luther King Jr. was one of the least popular of the people assassinated because he was pretty controversial at the time of his assassination. But oh, Robert yeah. Robert Kennedy, extremely mm. popular. Uh, John F. Kennedy was, I would say, pretty popular. Um, even somebody like like people that united, like I always bring up Fred Hampton. Do you know who Fred Hampton was? Yeah, Fred Hampton, the, the Black, uh, Black Panthers. Black Panthers uh, leader, yeah. The more I learn about him, the more uh, I was like, he's actually a pretty uniting figure. He united, uh, you know, lower class folks from all racial background. Uh, and, you know, we saw what happened to him. He was, uh, it was not, there was nothing, uh, it was pretty <laughs> obvious. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, like, I just feel like they, after, well, that's one of the benefits, I guess, after uh, Nixon Mm -hmm. is that because of the cynicism now they know they can't get away like you know like if the deep state try to murder trump for example <laughs> holy crap like if if trump died in a mysterious way especially like two or three years ago you, there would have been people like just storming the pentagon or something i don't know yeah <laughs> I, that then now that's an interesting uh you know historical what do they call like a counterfactual or whatever? Alt history. To, yeah, yeah, alt history to think about is what if what if they took Trump out? What would it uh, wow? I mean they make they make martyrs out of them now. So you yes. can't you can't do that anymore. Absolutely. Uh anyway, I got a couple of super chat. Thank you, Alex. Uh which state is the biggest meme state? Florida or Ohio? What do you think? <laughs> They're probably about equal, right? What are the Ohio memes? I can't remember. I know they give. There's a lot of goofs on Ohio. 
I say Florida more. It just yeah. the whole armpit thing of America yeah. <laughs> kind of has good meme ability. Yeah, I always liked Bugs Bunny sawing off the state of Florida, and it it drifts off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, is, do you agree with this uh, assertion here by T M White? Thank you for that. Uh, is Florida so messed up because of the state's capital location being so far from the majority of its citizens? It could be. Yeah, that could be it. I mean, there is. The, it's it's a weird state in a lot of ways because you know it has a well where i grew up has a very interesting political mix um that i you know it it, it took me a while like especially when you're young to figure out what's going on there because there's a lot of cuban americans and cuban americans a lot of the time lean sort of right politically mm -hmm. and um and that's kind of interesting. Um, and they're very, I remember them being very anti-Cuban government and anti-communist and anti-Castro and all that stuff. But it's um, mostly on economic issues though, right? Like social issues kind of more moderate, right? Yeah, I think it because, yeah, okay, so I could speculate on that. But but yeah, economic, pretty economically conservative. And yeah, kind of, yeah, kind of, yeah, I think you're right. Kind of a little bit more socially liberal. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair to say in general as a generalization. And then you have Jacksonville. Uh, it's just like so different than oh, Miami yeah. or, or even Tampa. Like well, the, a, yes, exactly. The rest <laughs> of it is totally, totally different than Miami. like the further north you go, the more south you get. Is the exactly, same. exactly, yeah. exactly. Per that's a perfect way to put it. And for Tiger Stars here, uh, looks like uh, he was aware of you from the Sam Cedar. Uh, you were on Sam Cedar's Majority Report. What was your favorite moment from that? I, I'm just so... Because I really didn't sleep well the night before because I was, <laughs> kind, of, I was kind of excited about it, you know? Because I've been literally watching him from the like first day that he was on FM radio. And um, wow. so it was like, yeah, it was like meeting a, a hero sort of or somebody that I've really... Like you were talking about the parasocial relationship it just it just happened that way where there wasn't a lot of that kind of mainstream it's sort of like entertaining content but also covering day-to-day -day new stuff um and so like i always like really paid attention to his show and so like uh my favorite moment i guess is like i don't know we were making fun of some um we were making fun of dave rubin i think at one point <laughs> but uh but i i i was like really cringing I didn't want to watch watch it because I was like, what if I embarrass myself or what if I slowed down the show? What if I look stupid on the show? But I think it actually went pretty well. And I think uh I think they liked generally liked having me on. So I, I consider it a, a success, I guess, you know. So I, I gotta say, a, you're yeah. embarrassing yourself right now and you're really slowing down my show. So. I know. So well that's <laughs> obvious. That's obvious. There's no redeem this one. It's about so it's no, it's you, over. You're doing fine. <laughs> you're doing fine. But you too, I mean, you're obviously like a legend on YouTube. So I don't need to I don't need, need to even say that, you know. Uh, you're, you're just being nice. Uh <laughs> Thank you, John. Check out John Malone's podcast. Uh, I was on there, uh, and he has a uh, something to check out about. The, we were back on the JFK assassination. Yeah. Huh. Huh. Yeah. All right. But anyway, we got to move on here. So I yeah. really like this next question. All right. See if you understand the inside joke reference. Okay. Okay. Let's see. 
Do you feel as if there's a spiritual component to what you do? <laughs> oh my God. Is that, uh, oh, don't tell me, don't tell me, don't tell me. That's, um, that's Tucker. That's yes, Tucker. Tucker. Yeah, that's Tucker. That's he, was, he asked well, that he, to the libs of TikTok. Yes. Uh, yes. Twitter he, account person. <laughs> yeah. I, so, so I watched that. I watched that and I watched him talking to Charlie Kirk too. And he is really like, he has sort of mastered or really taken on this. I don't know what you would call it. Maybe he's always done this, you know, but he was a little bit more of like an entertainment guy, an entertainment reporter. Like he interviewed, I always bring up the Britney Spears interview that he did, but um, he's kind of come up with this way of speaking. That's like that. He's like a public intellectual or something, you know, and he'll, and he'll say stuff like that. Like, so a spiritual component, you know, he'll talk about like the elites and all this stuff. And it's very, it's almost like, it's just bizarre. It's, it's really weird. It's weird to see, hear somebody who doesn't really believe anything, you know, except for like probably tricking people on Fox news to speak in this intellectual way. I don't know. Maybe he does believe this stuff. Who knows? But uh, it's bizarre. He just has such a bizarre way of speaking. I don't know if you've, seen any of that well it's just it's so um it, it it's nothing of substance is the irony of that that's what like, yeah yeah because yeah, it's like he it, it, i guess it's pseudo intelligent i can't even say the word right now pseudo intelligentsia there we go <laughs> thank you for saving me on that one i <laughs> It, they, if that it, even makes any sense i don't I know i mean it's same thing with jordan peterson like he uses yeah. really big words and colorful language. And I used to actually, when he was, when he first, um, you know, broke through on Joe Rogan, I was like, Oh, this guy, yeah, this guy's profound. <laughs> and then, but then like over time, I just started really listening to him, like writing down, okay, this is what he said and dissecting it mm -hmm. and evaluating it. And I was like, he's not saying anything. <laughs> like, he spent 30 minutes saying one, one thing. I could summarize what he said 30 minutes in one sentence. Absolutely. And that is hierarchies are good. That's mostly what he says all the time. Hierarch hierarchies are good. <laughs> They're so, higher. What I've discovered is hierarchies are good unless they apply to him. Then oh, yeah. there's something right. to get really mad about, especially if it's like the now he's in some fight with the the board. It's like a, you know, a kind of like a a, a, regu a board that regulates um licensing for uh therapists uh, you know psychologists in canada and they've been seeing him get into these weird bizarre things you know saying really inappropriate things to people, especially if you're a professional of that sort to be saying this stuff so publicly if he was look if he was maybe a little bit less famous and he was every once in a while said something off color don't pull the guy's license i would say but uh you know right I mean, it's such high profile and it's such, you know, kind of terrible and nasty and mean stuff that he is, they want him to, they did, they're not even going to take his license. They're going to, they asked him to do a social media training course to, in order to keep his license. And he is going on, on how terrible this is. And it's like, well, you know, if, if I, if that were my job, you know, I would have to fall in line and do that, you know, and, and you would, and Jordan Peterson would say, that's part of being an adult and that's part of the hierarchy when it happens to him. No, mm. then it doesn't apply, you know, and, and you mm. and you go off and you pop off on Twitter and all this. So it's, yeah, it's, 
you know, it's it's not very convincing to me anymore. But, you know, I will say, like, not, there's not – I don't think there's any figure where everything they say is false. Like, he has things that are useful, and I think they could mm. even be – I mean, just self-help stuff or whatever. Exactly. And, you know, yeah, and, you know, I mean, learning about the Bible, reading into the Bible is probably good. I mean, at least to know what's in there, even if you're not religious. And he's always talking about the Bible and all this stuff. And, you know, I mean, there's – it's not all bad, but the bad is to me is so bad that it's like, you know, it's totally disqualifying, you know, but that's just yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, I think it's your turn to ask a question. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. okay let me, let me see here. Um, I kind of want to go out of order a little bit. Oh yeah. I'm actually interested. Who's your favorite historian or history writer? Oh, uh, you have one. Actually, I know I'll probably get made fun of for this uh, as well, but uh, David McCullough is really good. Oh, all right. Uh, okay. he, I always bring up his book about Truman, which is behind me as well. Um, that Cause it changed my mind on Truman, but he's also just a really engaging writer. Okay. Um, I like Stephen Ambrose as well. Uh, that's who I got into when I was uh, younger. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I obviously lean, uh, I'm more interested in political history, especially presidential history. That's my thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm sure, yeah, like he probably would be into a lot of that stuff because you're into politics. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And history, especially like U.S. history, getting a real, uh, getting a real feel for like, for what has driven U.S. history is, is always super interesting to me. Yeah. I mean. It really does rhyme. I mean, it's <laughs> you, it, the bad thing about history, though, is all the humanities, all the social studies is that they're not a perfect science. And mm -hmm. so like with the hard sciences, you have the power in, in many cases to predict the future, which is mm -hmm. amazing. Like people yeah. don't think about that enough. Whereas the social sciences, you're like, ah, OK, this looks like a demagogue. This guy's kind of like Mussolini, but he's not quite like Mussolini. So I don't know how this is going to go exactly. And it's because humans are so more, um, you can't predict their behavior as well. Mm -hmm. There's general things like, yeah, people fall for demagogues. Yeah. We, but how are the, and then the butterfly effect, you know, like the unintended consequences, like, oh, I didn't see that come. Like I, it, it took me completely by surprise when Russia invaded Ukraine and most historians did as well. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, even knowing the full history, you're just like, that idiot did it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Who? I don't think, I mean, that's a tough one to predict because that is an insane thing to do. You know? So yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's a rough one. Uh, thank you, Marcus, for the support. Uh, and it looks like, oh, uh, 10 minutes. To, oh, that's a reference to someone else. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Harrison, thank you. Uh, good to see you here. Uh, Jordan Peterson doesn't say anything. He bloviates for four hours to say something. Jonathan Haidt could have said in 30. I love Jonathan Haidt, by the way. Have you heard of him? Yeah, I've watched some of his stuff, um, but I don't know as much about him. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to look into him more. I know he's a popular, pretty popular figure on, uh, on, uh, I see him on YouTube all the time. So yeah, definitely somebody I'm going to, I'm going to try to look into more. This person's asking who would be a better president, Newsom or DeSantis. I probably would assume you say Newsom. I mean, DeSantis. I mean, 
Yeah. Newsom's not that good either. <laughs> yeah, Newsom's not great either. I mean, our our choices aren't our choices aren't really inspiring, you know. Oh, that, that sounds like almost every election. Right, exactly. We got lesser of two evils here. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Pretty pretty convenient how that works. Um, but uh yeah, DeSantis is is really, you know, I mean, he's I think a lot of a lot of people are predicting that he's you know, he could be the next president. He's a pretty He's a pretty crazy guy. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Joe Rogan has been, uh, you know, talking about him a lot. A lot of people who almost like represent, I don't know, some version of the typical voter seem to be into him too, which is, it's bizarre. Really well, bizarre. it's just proof that like, if they're good at communicating, they can get mm -hmm. elected. I mean, it's not about substance or their ability to lead. It's just like, I mean, he's good at marketing himself and <laughs> he knows when to not say something. And then when he does say something, he touches all the, the woke. He, he uses that word a lot. Woke, yeah. like, uh, we're not going to let the woke mob, you know, do this to you and fear-based and all that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. I, I mean, that's his whole thing is just sort of these, um, culture war things that, uh, that, that really, <laughs> I, I did a video about this that they really, are are such thin scams like he he was doing this thing where he was going to he's, he did this actually more recently but it's a a reheating of the same thing which is that he was gonna inv he's gonna investigate a christmas drag show okay so <laughs> it's a it's a drag show i mean they've been around forever and it's a christmas one and it was i think it's 18 and up to go unless you want to bring your you're in a, you're a parent and you want to bring your kids to this christmas drag show that's your uh, uh, supposedly that's your choice as a parent literally nothing there's nothing even remotely illegal about it at all but he's going to do an event he's going to spend money on investigating this christmas drag show and he did this with a a restaurant that did drag shows too and he's like we're going to shut this place down and it's still open they still do it's it's just a it's a it's a press con like he, he'll do these press conferences and that's as far as it goes you know but people probably think it's shut down and they think there's exactly more, exactly more shows. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I got a good question for this next one. You're going to like this one. Um, oh, heck yeah. So I have this weird theory. I, I want I don't want to give it, give you my theory yet. I want to see what yours is. Um, are folks like Glenn Greenwald, Brett Weinstein, uh, is it Stein or Steen? Always mix uh, whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah. Tulsi Gabbard, Jimmy Dore, Matt Taibbi, Ru Russell Brand, are they just grifting over the past couple of years, or are they actually playing a secret long-term game to get more people to the left end of the spectrum? Um, I'm a little skeptical about the long game theory. <laughs> it yeah. could be. It could be. I definitely had that thought. You know, I mean, these—they're not. Like, I don't think Glenn Greenwald is a stupid guy. He seems like a pretty smart and pretty savvy guy. Um, what it feels like to me is that they're just basically, they've become a sort of cyborg, um, which is that they are a part of all of our brains is on the internet. And it responds very directly to things like following and, and um, you know, subscribers and, you know, all these payment platforms like Patreon and, um, you know, all this stuff you want to see. Substack. Like we were talking about, like, because we 
depend on that. Like Glenn Greenwald has a family, you know, so I'm sympathetic to that stuff. Like people need to grow their followings. And I think there's, you know, part of it where you, you can expand your audience by sort of compromising what you might really believe. And to me, that's, it strikes me as a sort of a, a, a goofy version of a cyborg where it's like, you know, you, part of you is, part of you is like responding to this, like, appendage you know of of your following so it's um i think i if i had to guess that that would be what it is especially tulsi is immediately went into hosting the tucker carlson tonight show so there was a a, a big incentive there to kind of maybe compromise what she might or might not really believe you know so that's that's what i think it is i think it's just about a following it's about trying to get the most people in or maybe go try to get a right-wing audience you know, I think I think basically that's what it is. But who knows? Maybe maybe it is some. Maybe it is. I really doubt it. But maybe it is some <laughs> some secret long game. Who knows? You know. No, that's a good analysis. I I kind of part of me wants to believe that it's part of their like, especially Jimmy Dore, because mm-hmm. I know Jimmy Dore. He's passionate about like, for example, universal health care. I yeah. would guarantee all those people I mentioned are for universal health care, and mm-hmm. I am too. By the way. Yeah. Um, me too. Yeah. And so like, but they just don't bring it up. Mm-hmm. They don't, br- they'll bring up, they'll bring up Joe Biden for not uh, letting people who are pro universal healthcare, like uh, have their voice heard by him, but mm-hmm. they will. Yeah. It's almost, they compartmentalize all of that. They just ignore the stuff they know that the right wing uh, audience will not like. They just don't bring it up. Right. And they'll just bring up, Oh, vaccines, you know, right. like, yeah. Uh, be skeptical. And so, yeah, <laughs> I agree with you that obviously it's more financially. I mean, there's a reason why, I mean, those on the left, let's take Kyle Kalinsky, uh, who I, I watch him sometimes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't have the audience like right. a lot of those folks. And it's mostly because he doesn't have the money. It's not, not like you're seeing billboards like Tim Pool does a billboard in Times Square to promote his, his stuff. Like, mm-hmm. uh you know, if you tend to have a le- left-wing show, you just don't have the financial opportunities as as much. And so, I think part of it's probably maybe both. Like they know that they have to like cater to their a right-wing audience. Yeah. But at the same time, they don't have to give up their left-wing views because I think a lot of them still have left-wing views. Hmm. Yeah, they can just sort of shift the focus a little bit. Yeah. And that and and I but I think a lot of them. Like Tim Pool's kind of, you know, he's a wacky character, but he's kind of interesting in that he seems to want to not feel like he's selling out or something like that because he will, mm-hmm. he will kind of like hint at that he's some kind of a progressive or, you know, he's on the left side of the political spectrum somehow or whatever. <laughs> but, and to me, that always felt like a, some kind of a wanting to have some foot staying in reality when you're doing, when you're making this content or something, it's, it's a tough one. It's a tough one to read because, you know, it is, there's incentives and, you know, and people, you know, people compromise. So, you know, it's, yeah. It's every a, thumbnail t- title of his is like the left or the yeah. woke mob is ruining your life. Uh, exactly. <laughs> and yeah. But then like, he'll just randomly say, I'm not saying they're right, but then like actually Timba on toast, the YouTube channel. Have you heard of Timba? Yeah. On toast? Yeah, yeah. He did a great, uh, series of videos on Tim Pool breaking it down because I fell for Tim Pool when I first came across. I was like, oh, this guy is a centrist. I like <laughs> centrists, you know? Yeah. Uh, and 
I had friends too. They're like, oh yeah, he seems pretty balanced. I'm like, no, no, it's both sides ism. That's what it is. Absolutely. Yeah. And he, and he, you know, he pushes a lot of like really bizarre, uh, social conservative, you know, kind of like anti LGBTQ stuff. You know, he, he, he gets, he'll, he'll just whatever, whichever way the wind is blowing on sort of that version of you political YouTube, he'll, he'll go with it, you know? And, um, you know, he'll read stories from terribly skewed uh, sources, you know. Will he read the stories? He'll read, like, the headline, maybe. Yeah, read the headline, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> his sor- I mean, his sources are typically, you know, um, you know, and, you, and you're never going to get, like, a deep analysis from Tim Pool on, like, what's going on in the world either. So I'm, I'm you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure what people are even getting out of it besides it's sort of, you know you know, just a lot of weird sort of socially conservative stuff. So, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's what I've always gotten from him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay. It's your turn. Okay. Yeah. It's my turn. Yeah. Um, So you watched, yeah, I think it is how I found you on YouTube that um, (laughs) seven hours of Prager you, I was wondering, (laughs) I was wondering if you had a, you know, because there's a lot of rewriting of history or giving it a different, you know, let's just call it an alternative view of history in some of those videos. What do you have anything that really stuck out to you in those videos that was like, this might be the most egregious claim that they're making or assertion or whatever? Uh, the there were a lot to be honest. I mean, <laughs> but also that's important, like you were saying about um, Jordan Peterson earlier there. There were some parts of the videos that were good, that were yeah. historically accurate. They were doing their best. And then it's funny because sometimes Prager you will release a good video randomly. I'm like, dang, good job. Like they have a video about uh, critical thinking, I think. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, wow, spot on. And yeah. then they just released another video that totally ignores the other one that they just released. <laughs> like, but yeah, the one that stands out, I think, a lot for a lot of us history tubers, that because mm-hmm. I know shout out to the cynical historian as well who did a reaction to it. Um, the Candace Owens video where she's talking about, well, it was we black people can thank white people for ending slavery, and that's you know <laughs> type of deal. And I remember that one, yeah, yeah, that was the first one I reacted to, and it was pretty, like it was jarring how how bad it was. Um, yeah, I mean, I had to pause it every few seconds and just say, and then I, you know, it didn't it didn't mean that I had um, deep knowledge of the topic. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I taught world history to high schoolers. I'm not going to know every last thing about the history of slavery in the world, but I do know that some of like basic facts that I teach teach to as part of the curriculum, she was getting wrong, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then like making, they like to really make Columbus seem like a hero for some reason. Yeah. You know, yeah. It's, it's like. Uh, I don't know. He obviously there's nuance there and he's a complicated figure, but the agenda of it, uh, I also did a video about um, the Southern strategy. Are you aware of what the Southern strategy? Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. One of the most important <laughs> parts of, you know, modern U S history probably. Yeah. Uh, so basically if you don't know what the Southern strategy is, uh, it's the realization by the Republican party that um, they needed to, shift who they cater to because they were losing voters um to certain demographics and so they focused heavily on the south like converting southern voters and they kind of tapped into a the subtle racism that still existed um post 
um, the civil rights era. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, like that's, that's why, you know, you go back to the 1920s, uh, or actually, uh, I should say 1930s when Franklin Roosevelt was president, the South Mm -hmm. was mostly still voting Democrat. Mm -hmm. And now by the 1990s, they were mostly voting, uh, for Republicans, uh, that shift. What fascinates me more than anything is like uh, Prager U and Dinesh, Dinesh D'Souza as well as part of this. They are so ideological on this. Like they will, uh, it's all cherry picking. So yep. what they do is they, they like, okay, my mind's already made up that Democrats are, have always been the racist party. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then they, they will just go and they'll find any evidence from the past that mm-hmm. makes the Democrats of the past look racist, which everybody <laughs> looks racist in the past. Everybody mm-hmm. was racist in the past almost. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so like, it's, I mean, and that's typically what they, how they frame it. And with, with my video I made about that, I was trying to add nuance as well because, you know, uh, some people on the left were getting it wrong as well. Yeah. Um, but I think the, the agenda, that's what we, we as historians, we really want to, I'm not, I don't even, I don't consider myself a historian, but you know, his history teachers in general, like your own biases, you've got to recognize that that's guiding your interpretations here. And, uh, when somebody has an agenda, that's, I don't know if you can believe anything they say, cause they're going to frame it. They're going to use logical fallacies to frame anything they want and that will make it so that you agree with them. Like, yeah, you're not going to get any. You're, I mean, you might be getting the truth. Yeah. Who knows? It's a gamble. Yeah. A good. Did you have you ever read any of those Rick Perlstein books like Nixon Land? No. Or that that's for the um, kind of like the Southern strategy type stuff. Um, Nixon Land is a really good book because it's like a beat by beat, um, you know, uh, like kind of what was going on with Nixon and the uh, lead up to nixon's uh you know nixon's run and all that stuff it's really really i i would recommend i mean he's one of the um he's one of maybe my favorite history writers um he wrote you know a lot he wrote a a a newer one that i've been reading about reagan uh called reagan land and then there was another one called the invisible bridge and then he did one about uh barry goldwater it's 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 pretty good he he's very like meticulous like you're you you feel like you're there you know so his his stuff is pretty interesting if anybody wants to check that out definitely yeah i'm gonna write that down yeah nixon land (laughs) we're giving each other homework here i know i got overthrow down here i got look more into the philippine american war i got it it all down (laughs) and i think it's my is it my turn is it my turn or is it i can't remember i think i I think i asked Oh, yeah, way too long with my answer. I'll shorten <laughs> it from here on out. Okay. No, 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 no problem. <laughs> All right. Um, this is related to my last question. Um, and I know you react to a lot of content, like a quite a variety, actually. Uh, a channel I like this last video you just did, where the girl was on the whiteboard talking about why <laughs> birth control. I was like, who? I didn't never even heard of her before. But um, I just want to like. Of all the the content you react to, mm-hmm. like who who are the true believers and who are just grifters? I know probably most of them are mostly grifting, but mm. some of them, like I get the vibe that 
someone like Ben Shapiro truly believes most of what he says. Do you agree with that or? Well, yeah, I think I think so. It's also interesting because like belief is a complicated thing because, (laughs) you know, like a lot of our beliefs, they could come from a traumatic event. You know, they could come from, you know, things that happened in our childhood that kind of skew the way we look at the world. So belief is kind of a tough one in general. But um, I, I think he probably does believe a lot of that stuff. But he also has a lot of incentives. I mean, he's, you know, you know, he the way that he talks about, for example, the fossil fuel industry, he has some <laughs> conflicts of interest there, I, th- I think. You, you know? want to explain that to the audience who probably doesn't realize that? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, there, there's a lot of this kind of stuff, you know, uh, where, um, you know, I'll, I'll put it this way. You know, you could, you could, it's very easy to find this information, but in general, um, some of these, you know, uh, media organizations get a lot of money from the fossil fuel industry in the daily wires case. I think they're directly, you know, they have these direct connections to these actually vice did it, did a big, did a big, uh, kind of a story about this that went under the radar a little bit. And you could, you could maybe look, look into that, but yeah, it's, you know, if you're taking a lot, if you're taking millions of dollars from fossil fuel billionaires, I think it's probably going to be, you know, against your interest to (laughs) say things they might not like, you know? So yeah, it's, that's, that's, uh, that's part of the problem too. Um, somebody like Candace Owens, I think is just purely cause Mm. she, she was doing content that was like liberal, like more like center left or something before she was doing like anti-Trump stuff or something like that before she was like a full on conservative. So a lot of the time, you know, I, I think somebody like her, probably not a true believer about any of that anything political you know so Mm. (laughs) i mean yeah it's you know tim pool probably not you know he just knows that there's a big audience for that stuff i want i i really do i i wonder like who the you know there's a guy named glenn lowry who i was listening to a a debate with him in this um marxist professor named richard wolf and they were Mm. um you know the one guy's a marxist the other guy's a uh you know uh a sort of uh, kind of a Republican type guy. And he, I think he might be more close to what a true believer is maybe on the conservative side, because, you know, he's a, he's a, I think he, he either is or was a professor at some, you know, uh, big, big college somewhere. Can't remember which one, but like, I think he really is. He's just like sort of an old school, um, you know, uh, like he kind of believes in, you know, sort of conservative economics kind of thing, you know, but it is actually that interesting. That interview was interesting because he kind of conceded at one point that America would, America would be better off as a social democracy, like a, a Nordic style, big welfare state, lots of public ownership thing. He Even conceded though, that? He conceded, he conceded that? that? He conceded wow. that. He conceded that. I think what his, pro- the problem that he had was some kind of revolutionary, um, totally taking apart capitalism. That's his problem. But he did concede. He kind of conceded. I'm interested if any of your fans or if you go back and watch that debate. I'm find this right now. It's- yeah, it's toward, the, it's toward the end where he's like, um, from what I remember, he was just like, yeah, I think we could, that, that seems pretty good. We could do that. It's Glenn, <laughs> Glenn Lowry and uh, 
and Richard Wolf, which is it's sort of interesting because that's one of the big, I mean, that's one of the big like, I don't know, hinge like like uh you know focal points or like pressure points or whatever of politics right now is like the Bernie Sanders side versus the you know whatever the uh the right wing quote unquote populist side, and he's he's kind of conceding to the the Bernie Sanders uh, side. So that's kind of interesting. I think this is it here. Cap that's it. Capitalism versus socialism. I'll have Blend. to check that out later. Yeah. Yeah. If you can find that part, it's, to I believe it's like maybe three fourths of the way in. Um, he's kind of just like, yeah, this is because it's, it's very hard, I think. And, and I watch, um, there's a guy, um, well, there's a couple people I watch who talk about how economics works in that part of the world. And it's hard to be like, oh, things are, totally falling apart when you have a big welfare state or whatever, because it's clearly not, you know, it's like, it mm. actually seems to be working quite well. So even, you know, even um, that's why maybe I'd put, throw him in the true believer category. Cause he's just like, he's kind of like, he's like, it seems like, yeah, he's like, it seems to me that conservative economics works better, but then he has an example of maybe that's not true. And he goes with it. So, yeah. Oh, th I like this too that he had his wife moderate. I think it's really cute. <laughs> you know, I'm I love this stuff. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, and Richard Wolf, I saw another debate with him that he did uh, about this same topic. With it was, I think it was hosted by Reason Magazine. Think, yep, yep. He does that a lot. He does yeah, that a lot. He's he's an interesting character because he's, you know, he has all the Ivy League degrees, and he's, uh, you know, he's a Marxist, so he's not. Um, they can't really pin him with the like he doesn't know what he's he doesn't understand how economics works. So he's always an interesting, uh, <laughs> uh, volatile, uh, you know, a volatile element to throw into the to the mix, you know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, giving each other lots of stuff to check out. I love it. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, it's funny because a lot of these questions I wrote them down. I was like, this will be good and i'm like some of these are pretty boring i don't think he's gonna it's like okay. these. <laughs> well what what's the next one he got uh i was just actually this one it might be fun who's the worst figure in a in a, a u.s history oh uh, so not who's, president just figure period just fi it could be a president or just Ooh. who do you think is the most he caused the most harm most evil you know something like that oh wow <laughs> i you i mean I know a lot of a pretty common one would be like Andrew Johnson, maybe right? Does he does okay? He, does he come up like yeah re reconstruction uh, failure stuff and all that? Yeah, I mean because, well, yeah, but he really he didn't have as much power because the, I mean he was up against a Congress that was uh, overwhelmingly against him, mm -hmm. and so and they like they were one vote away from kicking him out of office with their impeachment trial. So, mm -hmm. uh, so I wouldn't say as far as impact, like, I mean, you could even say someone like John Calhoun was more, more of a negative impact. He, he came before as, you know, he was a vice president he was also, but he had, I mean, had a lot of influence in Congress and he was just had rotten views, hmm. um, extremely racist. Right. Um, but, uh, I almost think like, you know, you you kind of want to automatically. I, I just kind of the big the biggest sin of American history is slavery, and so mm -hmm. you automatically go to that. And I almost wonder if maybe that's kind of like making it 
difficult to like think about someone that maybe wasn't connected to the slave trade or slavery. Yes. But yeah, like pretty much like, or maybe even some obscure person in the South who like owned a bunch of plantations that like own the most slaves. Like, <laughs> right. You know, I don't know. It, uh, it's tough. I, and there's also this stupid like thing in history. We always like, they actually call it great man theory. Right. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. We where it's always... like one, one figure made this big change rather than, you know, a lot of things going on in society. And the nuances of, of uh, how a society works, I guess. And really, yeah, that's just very, I mean, there, there are exceptions. I think you should highlight certain individuals. I always say George Washington, because I think single-handedly he was the biggest reason why we became a country and, Mm-hmm. Yeah, not a perfect person, obviously, but um, I I think he was our best president. Uh, so I, I just think also the, the thing is, like, even when there's somebody rotten like Andrew Jackson, mm-hmm. there's still some good qualities there, too. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like, it's hard for me just to, like, demonize someone completely, even uh, unless it's like Hitler, obviously, <laughs> or Stalin. Those two are pretty easy. Pol mm-hmm. Pot's pretty easy to demonize. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm thankful we've never had to deal with that. These brutal dictators in world history that. Whew, there's also that. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, and, and and there's ones that you know with the with the great man theory kind of thing, or like looking at presidents and all that. I was reading this book on uh, you know uh, like I do this thing in the in the back end of uh, Patreon. Where we, where I've been, you know, I try to read books that are kind of go a little deeper on a topic that we maybe kind of touch on, you know, on the on the YouTube. And the one that I I started reading that I still need to upload the final um, bit of is about the the kind of history of the Supreme Court. And there were a lot of really sketchy characters on the, and maybe you know, it's tough because like a lot of them were were driven in a in a certain direction you know like we were talking about because of what was going on in the world and society but (laughs) they they, a lot of them really helped push things in a in a way that really hurt the average normal working person like a a big part of that book is about labor laws and they go Mm. into the he, he he goes into this really elaborate detail about what it was like to work in a bakery in new york in the locker versus new york that's what it is the locker era yeah, yeah, reading about the Lochner era. So there's people like that who are maybe less talked about who um you know, it's not not you're right. It's not one person, but it's 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 a, a, a maybe, you know, it, it's it's a thing going on that gets pushed in a certain way that is bad for a lot of people and that's, you know. Okay, now you got to tell me the name of that book. <laughs> um it's called Injustices. Okay, I got to check this one out too. Let me get let me get to the guy's name. I mean, if you just put in injustices, give me more of your liberal propaganda. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I definitely the Rick Perlstein books are really interesting. If you're really wanted to go to beat by beat in those eras of American politics, his stuff is really good. And he and he draws out all these details that are really interesting. Um, injustices: the Supreme Court's history of comforting the comfortable and afflicting the afflicted. Uh, so that's his, that's his, um, uh, what's this guy's Ian Milheiser. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing about that book is, is he gets really, really good on some of this detail about what life was like for some of these people. Um, 
you know, there's a big part about child labor that really should be taught at schools because mm -hmm. I did not, I did not know the extent to which that was such a part of American life. And, um, and, you know, I mean, th this is, th this is normal people, you know, this is like what a lot of normal people were going through at the time. And, um, and, you know, yeah, it's, 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 uh, you know, I love, I love getting details like that of try, get, trying to get into what it was really like during those times for, for not just, not just, again, the great men, but the average person, you know. That's why I like making my, like, whenever I make a Supreme Court video, I, I have my series Supreme Court briefs that it, I try to frame it around the person that's in the case, like, the Scottsboro boys, the case is actually Powell v. Alabama. And if you just read Powell v. Alabama, like the briefing of it, it's like, uh, but if you looked at the whole story of the Scottsboro boys, um, have you heard of the Scottsboro boys? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm fishing in my brain to try to remember what the case, the actual case was. Yeah. Like, uh, just, they were a group of boys who, uh, African-Americans in Alabama yeah. and the, uh, 1930s, Talk about not a good place and time to be in if you're African-American. Uh, mm -hmm. And they are accused of raping. Oh, gosh, I said the word. Uh, you know, that yeah. word. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to uh, young white women. Um, and anyway, they, they're, I mean, it's pretty obvious they never did it. Um, they were innocent, but right. they were, yeah. the, the, the mob almost lynched them and mm -hmm. said that they were guilty. They were essentially guilty until proven innocent the whole way through. And the Supreme Court actually ended up uh, being on their side, um, but the lower courts all were not on their side, and they kept getting retrial after retrial. Um, but yeah, like you, you kind of follow the their struggles, and then you connect with them, and then you're like, okay, I can relate to this. You know, what if that happened to me? Um, so that's always the best way to teach history, for sure. Absolutely. I, I feel like I, this is too serious of a conversation. This is. <laughs> <laughs> well hey you topics know. here man <laughs> these are the things i wanted to know where are your sound effects at gosh i know sniffing i know <laughs> i gotta figure you know what if stream this would be an amazing feature if you could put samples into Streamyard somehow like have a sample pad and you could like play sounds at each other through a sit that would be kind of cool maybe they could or, or maybe that's i don't know maybe that's uh you know I don't know. That's too much for a stream. Probably software. could just find a soundboard on a, on a browser and play it from there. Yeah. But the thing that I'm wondering is because I, if I played mine, I don't think it would go through to you because it would have to go no. over. I don't know. I don't it had to be me doing it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exa <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And you're the, uh, you're more professional, the, the one who has experience with these sorts of things. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> all right. Is it, is it my turn? Yeah, I think it's your turn. Okay. Uh, actually, this is a perfect segue. My next question is, uh, yeah, like um, the sound effects that you find, you know, you play, some of them become iconic almost. Mm -hmm. Like you use them, like, you know, call a crackhead, you know? Yeah, like, amazing. Do you, do you find yourself like just saying these uh, sound effects around the house and the shower up to the person next to you on the bus all the time. Like, do they, are they always in your head? <laughs> yeah, they, they definitely are in my head. And, and uh, a lot of people say that, that like they, uh, you know what I get a lot is like 
my significant other, my husband or my wife is getting really pissed off because I keep saying <laughs> sniffing or whatever, you know? That's on YouTube. That's Seriously. on YouTube. Mrs. Yeah. Beat, she'll be, she would say that to you. Yeah, she's like, why are you saying these random things around the house? Like, <laughs> Exactly. But you know what? They, they, like, you know, I, I don't know. I think they're funny because they're like, you know, they're like a shorthand. You know, it's like you don't have to think of something clever to say. You could just say call a crackhead and it's like you... <laughs> You know what you mean, you know. <laughs> you know, you could throw it in there whenever you can't think of something, you know. And yeah, I, for those of you who, who don't know who R.M. Brown is, uh, like your viewers call themselves the muscular class. Mm -hmm. And that started from a soundbite from uh, Charlie Kirk, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's still trying to get this thing going where he calls Trump supporters the muscular class. <laughs> and like it's not catching on. He'll 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 say this in a in like a conversation, and you could see the person being like, "What? What? What is that?" <laughs> but he keeps trying to get this thing into the culture, and it's just not happened. It's never happened. That poor guy. I, I do I, feel for him sometimes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like I. It's always exciting when you you introduce a new sound effect. Like this Aww. is, is going to be stuck in our heads now. Yeah, <laughs> but it's good. Yeah. All right. That was a light uh, question to lighten the mood. No, that's a, that's a good one. That's a really good one. I'm, I I should have wrote funnier questions, but I let me see. <laughs> let me see what I can go with. Maybe I'll just start going down the uh well, I You know what? Yeah, why not why not do this? I was going to ask this. I'm going to have to re reword this question a little bit, but like, you know, you were a teacher, you know, for what like high school age kids, right? Yeah, and middle school too. And not, not at the same time, but yeah. Um, I was just wondering what you think about there's kind of these, well, Prager, you would probably fall into this, but there's a lot of these like sort of, you know, misinformation traps online. And then there's people like Andrew Tate, who if you're younger might seem appealing, but is going to give you all sorts of like ideas that are probably just going to make your life worse. What do you think? How do you... I mean, how do you deal with that as a parent too? How do you, how do you deal with that? Like nonstop barrage of misinformation coming through the internet. Well, I think the sad reality is we have a lot of younger folks who don't have good role models in their life. And I always say the more the better for role mm -hmm. models. Like that's why when you say a two parent household is better, I just said it just means there's more opportunities for better, for more role models. That's all that means. So mm -hmm. whether they're the same you know, gender or whatever, who cares? Like it's, if grandma and grandpa are living with the kids too, there's more role models that are there to constantly guide the kids. If they mm -hmm. have great teachers at school, coaches, yada, yada. Well, if these kids don't have that, then they go online to search for role models. They go to TikTok and they mm -hmm. find D bags like Andrew Tate, right. who I don't still know a whole lot about, but <laughs> from what I can gather, probably not the best person to get advice from. I mean, I wouldn't even call myself somebody the best person to get advice from. So, uh, <laughs> Me either, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. Like, I think the uh, the best way to counter that is to, um, I think it does start with parenting, and and teachers already have so much on their plate, already so much to worry about. But I do think one of the most rewarding things I did when I was teaching is I, as a coach, and then sponsoring clubs. That's where you truly get to connect with kids and kind of develop those relationships. Um, and some of those kids need a lot of attention. You could always tell the ones who weren't getting positive attention at home very much, you know? Mm, right, um, yeah. And that's the thing, you know, my daughters, they're uh, 
11 and uh, eight, and they still need a lot of attention. Like, I mean, like right now, my, my youngest made me feel guilty tonight for not, she wanted to play tonight. And like, I'm a horrible <laughs> father for doing this live stream with somebody I watch all the time on YouTube. Uh, but I'm, I, so, oh, I'm so sorry. Oh man. <laughs> you took me away from my family. No, I that know. was my choice. <laughs> uh, but no, like, so I think that it comes down to like, that's why being a parent is so freaking hard. And uh, if you want to become a parent, you need to think about these things like beforehand, like you can't, you have to give them like the, even if you give them attention that ends up kind of not being the best attention, the most important thing is to give your kids attention because if they, if you're not giving them the attention, they're going to find it who knows where right. online. So uh, be there, be in their life. If you're a dad and you travel for work all the time, you're never home, go home mm -hmm. or they're going to, or Andrew Tate's going to be their daddy. <laughs> yeah, you exactly. Know, we don't want that. So yeah. anyway. No, I think that's, yeah, I think that's uh, well put. <laughs> yeah. Well, so you, you said you don't have kids though. I don't have kids. No. Okay. Other than the, your viewers. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The muscular class family. Yeah. Well, okay. It's my turn, right? Yeah. Okay. Here's what I noticed. Like, cause I've been on your discord server. Check mm -hmm. it, check it out. Check out the muscular class discord server. Mm -hmm. uh, and then there's beat cord, which is my discord server. I'm on both. And I noticed there is a difference there. It does seem to be that my audience is a little bit younger than yours. I noticed there's more millennials that on your discord mm. server. I don't know if you don't realize this. Yeah. It's like, there's a certain, it, it's a different type of humor. Yes. Like and yeah. the, the Gen Z folks, like the Gen Z folks tend to be smarter, by the way, mm -hmm. uh, which is a little scary to me. Like that, like, man, this is the smartest generation. Holy crap. But also they don't get my jokes as much. And so <laughs> I'm just like wondering, like, like uh, your audience is very, and I guess I'm part of that is it's very distinct and it's almost like a high, like it's kind of the same thing with subreddits. I noticed discord servers are the same way where it's this hive mind it's almost like it's its own personality. And I guess my question related to this is like, would you say that your typical viewer is like also a fan of just the same stuff that I'm a fan of? Like <laughs> Tim and Eric, Eric Andre, all the Eric's I mentioned are like surrealism, surrealism comedy. Cause you do a lot of like, uh, you know, uh, close-ups and mm -hmm. changing the like uh, weird visuals <laughs> yeah. you, you raise and lower your voice a lot which i do that in my videos i it's a weird thing like and i don't see necessarily a lot of younger i'm assuming we're not that far off in age I, you don't have to say how old you are but yeah like i'm assuming you're a millennial right yep okay old so, old millennial yeah 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 so that's me too uh and so like it's a weird thing like would you say you know your audience like if you could tell like, okay, let me ask you, do you watch Tim and Eric? Did you watch Tim and Eric? Yeah, all of that stuff I watch and and love. Like all all the great comedy. You mentioned Eric Andre too. Yes. Eric Andre. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. in uh, and, and like um, you know, I don't know. Like I grew up listening to a lot of um, you know, talk radio and stuff like that. So that a lot of my sense of humor comes from that. But yeah, that kind of that kind of surreal comedy I I really like, yeah. Totally. Yeah, because that, that all came like that was the aughts and the yeah, uh, and then yeah, it's kind of like we came of age when this really blew up surrealist comedy, and I noticed that carried over to what you do and yeah, a little bit of what I do. Yeah, so 
It's interesting. Like today, I don't even know. Like I know the I'm so out of touch with Gen Z. <laughs> But like yeah. I know it, it the humor today tends to be a lot darker. I know that. Yeah, it does. It does. I wonder really if they dark. get Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's dark. It's very dark, but there's a lot of like there's stuff that I really don't get because I I am aged out out of it like sort of anime related jokes and stuff like that. I have a hard time connecting to um video <laughs> a lot of video game related stuff. I'm just like, you know, I don't I, I get that there's a meme going on here, but I, I'm not like, it's not like forcing laughter out of me, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of, and, and I think that's, that's what's going on there, that there's like a generational divide there probably. But I do wonder if they get, because a lot of the stuff that I grew up with was like, literally, I don't think there's, it, it's much harder to find if you're, you know, I'm talking about maybe like the very early 2000s or like maybe like even the 90s stuff that i used to watch like liquid television and and kids in the hall and stuff like that kids in the hall was great yeah yeah kids in the hall is probably like i you know because that was on they would put it on all the time on i think it used to be called the comedy channel instead before it was comedy central Mm -hmm. and they would play kids in the hall all the time so that sense of humor is just like totally uh burned into my brain you know what i mean like you probably have the same thing where it's it's stuff that's not out in the you know it's not being um fed to you on youtube as much but if you were our age it would have been on tv so it's that's part of the general uh uh, generational divide i think maybe yeah it is nice to have younger viewers though that kind of like i feel like uh, i have to go to mrs beat all the time because she's like more into the younger lingo yeah, I'm sitting cap. here like Googling or I'm going on Urban Dictionary. Yeah, no cap when they say no cap and bussin and all that. Yeah, I have to look <laughs> yeah. it up. What are these hep cats talking about? That's what I have to ask. All right. Well, sorry to make us sound old there. Yeah, okay. absolutely. It's your turn. Okay. <laughs> all right. Let me see. Let me see. Um, no, no, no. Hmm, hmm. Yeah, some of these I'm just like, they might be too boring. I don't know. Do you, are you at all interested in like the secret society stuff, uh, throughout US history? Like, the I think actually maybe the I always thought it was a goof, but the Freemasons and all that stuff, you know, there's some interesting parts of US history where they were kind of prominent. Are you at all interested in that kind of stuff? Totally. Uh, in fact, my favorite third party. The anti-Freemason party. Yeah, the anti-Masonic party. I I still have yet to make a video about them, but it it was the first major third party. uh, And it actually had members of Congress. And their whole thing was like, hey, uh, well, you know that old George Carlin uh, bit where he's like, it's a big club and you ain't in it. Mm -hmm, That was basically, they're like, wait, we're not in the club here. Um, (laughs) Let's start our own club. And the thing about the Freemasons is like, there's nothing too f- nefarious about them. Actually, they were just powerful people that got together and hung out, basically. Mm-hmm. And so, it's the same dynamics you see it in high schools <laughs> still to this day. Like uh, the popular kids, the the ones who are kind of the next tier. And, and we have different names. Like when I was in high school, we had the the jocks and the skaters and the goths and the you know, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what it comes down to is politics, power dynamics. And so the Freemasons, like, um, 
it was just one of those things where at some point you had people that they were powerful enough, but they, they weren't still quite in that inner circle of, you know, mm-hmm. their club and they didn't get in for one reason or another, didn't have the, all the connections. And so that's, and then uh, the thing is, we forget that for the first few decades of this country, most people couldn't vote, you know? Right. Yeah. You could only vote if you had property. It was mostly dudes who owned property, mm-hmm. uh, white dudes, I should say. <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. so once uh, Jackson came around, by that time, there was more, it was pretty much anybody, any white man could vote. And think, so that was also the emergence of like, oh, freaking elites, you know, and the anti Masonic <laughs> party. Yeah, right. So. Yeah. yeah. Is it an anti elite thing? Yeah. So, all right. It looks like I got three more questions for you. Um, all right. And I don't know what order to go this to go. So, um, yeah, we'll start with the lighthearted one. So, uh, I did notice a, a musical instrument behind you. Yeah. Right. Guitar. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's a bass, right? Yeah. That's yeah. a bass. And then there's an, a regular guitar over there. Yeah. Okay. And then you, of course, you play the. Uh... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> play a little something. Yeah. I just do jazz. I do kind of free jazz, experimental kind of music with the recorder. Reminds and it, me of the Yeah. Exactly. I've had this for I've had this for years, and I thought the color was so cool. It's green. You know, it's it's bright green and it's transparent, but it it it's the worst one to have when you're using a green screen. Because this is the oh. exact is the exact yeah. color of a green screen. It just it, it vanishes. It's yeah, I gotta yeah, get a new one. Just yeah. black. Yeah, yeah exactly. Paint it, paint it black by Rolling Stones. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> well, it's, but anyway, you so you seem to know a lot about music. Do do you play the bass, or is it just there for decoration? Yeah, no, no. I I uh, I'm a pretty mediocre bass and guitar player, and I you know. Well, you uh, are in Austin, so yeah. Yeah. Music in there. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. I love Austin, by the way. Um, yeah. I. So yeah, I'm I'm also a musician, um, mediocre one. Yes, I, my brother and I have a band called Electric Needle Room. Uh, we have songs about all the presidents. That's usually the thing that people listen to. All right, all right. Uh, but uh, <laughs> anyway, I'll write that down. I noticed just from watching you over the last few months, I, I noticed like obscure music references. Like mm-hmm. you were calling out Gutfield, Greg Gutfield, when he wore a Cramps shirt. Like like is this guy really a fan of the Cramps? <laughs> or and then you also like referenced a couple other like indie bands and so I was like he knows music <laughs> so I I just wanted to ask you what your favorite uh, music was since you seem more familiar with underground stuff mm, yeah good question um, I've been what have I been listening to lately I mean I look I do like some pop music you know there's some pretty decent pop music but I like a lot of you know I do like some of that stuff like the Cramps and um, you know I. Grew up listening to a lot of that kind of like the Ramones, mm. obviously like pop stuff that's really catchy and pop like that. Um, but you know, I like the cool thing is like um, what I what I really end up the music that I really end up li- liking and listening to is a, a lot is I'll just go to a record store and see what they recommend to find the more obscure stuff. Like I found this collection of like it's sort of like African, like, I don't know, like sixties African psychedelic music. And it's, it's great. Like, I love stuff like that. Finding stuff that's very hard to get suggested on Spotify, but very, it's still like somebody's, um, you know, um, curating it, you know, 
So that's that's what I like. So I I, I mm-hmm. my phone died, but I wanted to get the name of that that um, African psychedelic stuff. Um, but um, what else do I like? What else do I like? Um, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm blanking. I always blank when people ask me about me- it, movies. I could probably do I could do quicker, but music I always kind of blank. But um, but, ju- but like I, you don't have to list bands, but just yeah. genres. Yeah, I like, um, I like, you know, well, actually, what what I've kind of been listening to more, I always I always suggest this on, you know, on on my stream and stuff. But I'm I so it's a one kind of like magazine that I subscribe to called wire. And it's basically all experimental music, um, and noise music, basically, but I always I always and a lot of it is almost unlistenable because it's just noise, <laughs> you know. But some of it they they really find like great music that's really hard to find too. And and the genre is usually um jazz, like there's some really good jazz and um and sort of like uh um you know what do we call it like yeah just different 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 kinds of jazz like really interesting jazz avant-garde maybe maybe kind of avant-garde a lot of it's like homemade like there's a guy whose name i can't remember but i suggested him on one of the streams who i'd never found but he did a lot of home recordings in the 70s you'll find stuff like that like totally weird uh hard Mm. to find and wire but really uh, i i've really been going really hard on prince lately listening to a lot of a lot yeah a lot of prince and his his projects like um you know prince infused projects like the time um and um and there's a band he basically formed and wrote a lot of the songs for called um vanity six um they have a song called uh not to get uh you know it's prince so I was thinking song, the revolution is what I was thinking, but this is a different band. It's a different band. It's called Vanity Six, and they have Vanity's, a song okay. that if you if you heard it, you would recognize it. It's called Nasty Girl. Um, um, you know, tr- trying to keep it PG on here, but it, you know, it's Prince. He's doing the the Prince thing. <laughs> but um, yeah, and there's a great Prince biography that I started reading called The Beautiful Ones, and it's great because I think you might like it because the beginning is about a uh, it. it, it you know, it's a biography, but he starts out the very beginning of the book talking about what it's like to meet, you know, before he died Prince and like the weirdness of going to his compound and the weirdness of what it's like to like go to a musical event with Prince. Uh, It's, it's kind of amazing because this guy's, he's a very, you know, he's a very normal guy. He's a real professional writer and journalist and all this stuff. And that's not his world at all. It's a great, it's just, it's, exactly what you would want from a prince biography of what is it like as a just a normal person to meet this ridiculous over the top um <laughs> mega star you know i did a video about prince on my other channel the beat goes on um and i also did a video about the ramones um, nice so you uh, you might find that interesting i and i never really got into prince that much other than his big hits you know yeah but once i made that video i i went deep into his catalog and I, there's just too many songs he has. There's, there's no way like I could physically listen to all of his songs. <laughs> I know he, he really, in the book, they mentioned that he like, he, he, he would like stay up all night. Like he, he literally like probably slept less than the average person or whatever, because he, yeah. And they found like these rooms of demos and mm. just, he, he was just constantly making music. And not only that, but he was like the vanity six thing, like forming these, Prince doing Prince 
through like another band, you know? So it's like, yeah, he's, he, he was, he was, and, and I would suggest anybody, I mean, you know, we've all seen like the, 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 um, Dave Chappelle goofing on Prince and all that, but Prince is a great interview too. Like he's such a, he's such a, like, I don't know, like pure, I mean, you know, he's an entertainer or whatever. He's a basic person, but he really is. There's some pure spirit to Prince. That's like kind of, it's kind of fun to watch in an interview. So, but what I was going to ask you, who do, who, do you have any musical recommendations? I am a big power playing. pop fan. Uh, okay. I had a, a few years where I listened a lot to emo, but generally it's uh indie pop is kind of my go-to. Like I, uh, you know, one of my favorite all time bands that's from Austin is spoon. Um, mm-hmm. This yep. comes comes to mind there, but I uh, band I've been listening to a lot lately is Born Ruffians. They're Canadian. A lot of good oh, Canadian bands. Yeah, yeah, there are. I, but my all time favorite band is Radiohead. My second favorite Tweezer. I always oh wow do for me. I yeah, and the thing is that people talk trash about their newer stuff, but I think Weezer's newer music is just as good as their older stuff. On with the exception of the first two albums, kind of are kind of in their own league, but. uh yeah, like it's great to see. I, mean, I think Rivers Cuomo is like the best songwriter of his generation, and, and it's pop. He, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Didn't he go back to uh, college or something? Didn't he go to Harvard oh. or something? <laughs> yeah, that that's, that's a that's true. Yeah, huh. he uh, he when they first got famous, uh, he wasn't quite sure if he wanted to do it because yeah. he didn't like touring that much. Yeah, so mm. he ended up going back to school and went to Harvard and grew a big beard and no one recognized him apparently when he was there, but he, he was on Conan O'Brien uh, once and said that he was on a, on a bus sitting next to this kid wearing a Weezer t-shirt <laughs> and that the kid didn't recognize him at all. I didn't realize that he was wearing the shirt <laughs> right next to him. Oh so, my yeah. God. Anyway. Amazing. Yeah. All right. Is it my turn? It is. Okay. Let me see. Let me see. Um, yeah, I have a lot of these sort of like history. Somebody says Weezer is awesome. Oh, yeah. you know what? Yeah, like you're right. Like they, the, those songs are ir- irresistible. It's the same with No Doubt. Like, <laughs> I mean, it, I, I just, I, I don't know how it came up on my, on my Spotify or whatever, but I was like, these songs are so, like so many of the No Doubt songs are so irresistibly, like undeniably catchy and well-produced that it's like, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's ridiculous to try to say that it's not, uh, it's not going to, you know, get stuck in your head or whatever. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, all right. All right. Um, nah, this is a boring, I, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to cross this one off because it's so boring. It's just going to be what made you interested in history. I don't even why I know why, why I wrote but That's <laughs> so, so boring. It's so boring. Um, you know what I did want to ask is like, um, you've been a kind of a YouTube celebrity for a while um what uh, what like what's it like what was it like getting you know crossing that milestone with the plaque and you know what what stands out to you as uh um or or really i feel like i've learned like interesting stuff about myself from from doing this what what have you learned and like what's important to you about uh about about doing the youtube stuff i think uh like when i was starting to get recognized uh outside of I mean, when I actually had people that watched me because they just wanted to, they weren't forced to by a teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, that was 
it's big. Yeah, it was unexpected. Yeah. Like I, I didn't know really how to, I mean, imposter syndrome definitely kicks in. You're just like, I don't think it, cause you, you want a lot of people to see your stuff. Obviously it's why a big reason why you do it. Mm -hmm. Um, but at the same time, when it, when it kind of starts to happen, you're just like, why are they watching me? You know, like, why are people here watching us right now? I, it, it's kind of, I don't know. It's, I, I think about that all the time. Um, but at the same time, like, it's cool to sometimes I was in Washington, DC in March um, with, I was actually with former students on a, it was one of those uh, uh, field trip type deals where the a company like bust us all around DC and everything. It was fun. Um, but I was walking around DC and people recognize me and amazing. So, yeah. It, it, do people recognize you uh, yet? I've gotten recognized maybe like once at the, at, at a coffee shop near where I live. And that's about it. Yeah. <laughs> what do they do? They do one of the sound effects. <laughs> um, I can't, I can't remember what they, I, I think so. I think that guy actually did ask me if I could like, if I was going to make, like a soundboard that people could download or something. So oh, yeah, like it, it, it was, it was soundboard heavy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that was, that definitely bizarre for somebody to just come up and yeah. be like, Hey, I know you from the internet. It's pretty, pretty. I mean, of course it's like, you know, feeling famous is pretty exciting, but uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I was at the gym one time and I was like, <clears throat> like making weird noises. And somebody came up, up to me when I was doing that and said, Oh, Amazing. Hey, Mr. Beat. Yeah. So, uh, Amazing. I, it's, it's good, but, uh, I also get like, uh, you'd be surprised. I get a lot of hate online. Mm. Um, especially when I start to like share my political views, like oh, I, do yeah. on, I do that on Twitter. Like, yeah. um, I even did a, a live stream where I like, I took political tests and, you know, this is exactly where I stand on, stand on every issue. And I ended up being a little bit to the left, but not really that far to the left. Uh, mm -hmm. I was actually on the right on some issues, hmm. uh, which is interesting uh, yeah. but at the same time, like I, there, are, I think it's mostly my, I'm not afraid to tackle controversial topics. And so, you know, I made a video about the great replacement theory. Oh yeah. I saw uh, that. Yeah. I, I got a death threat after that. I had to contact the FBI and Whoa. that was a big deal. Yeah. My, one of my other friends got a death threat too. same situation after he made a video about slavery. Uh, and you just think like, wow, I, I mean, I knew it'd be controversial, but at the same time I was like, if you watch the video, it's not like I'm saying anything wild, you know, mm -hmm. it's, and it's all backed by academic sources. I always cite my sources and I always say, Hey, uh, if I do have an opinion, I'm going to let you know it's my opinion. And, uh, there's other perspectives, yada, yada, you can learn more here. But I, I guess what it kind of shows is there's a lot of, you know, mentally unstable people out there and they kind of come out and they, you hear from them and, uh so i'm sure you yeah. have you gotten any of that yet um i got a lot of that when i first started that i got a lot of trolls and a lot of like because you know i would do a video that had tim pool or ben shapiro's name in it so i think people who were searching for them would find it and they'd be like it were literally literally was like uh, maybe this <laughs> is helpful but like the first videos that i made were just like you're an idiot <laughs> this is stupid you don't know what you're talking about. Like that was it. Like I, I, I honestly cannot believe that that like the opposite happens now, you know, that people watch it and they're like, you know, they actually like it. You know, that's like, honestly, maybe the most shocking. Well, thing. I mean, but the thing about you is that you kind of have this goofy persona and it's, 
Um, also, like, I mean, yeah, you sometimes say, hey, this guy's an idiot or whatever. But at the same time, it's like you you uh, you're not you're not malicious, I guess. Right. 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 And, yeah, and yeah. you know, it's funny because a lot of that stuff, calling people idiots and all this, it's not. You know, I don't really believe that some people are just idiots or yeah. anything like that. Like it's it's a shorthand like and it's, you know, I, you know, I'm also trying to be, do a, a funny show. So like calling someone an idiot instead of going into <laughs> a long explanation about like psychology or something, it's just funnier, you know? Oh, yeah. So that, there's no doubt that a lot of people you react to are actually quite intelligent. They're, oh, yeah. They're yeah. manipulating people is what they're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So definitely not idiots, you know? And like, I'm motivated um, in addition to being motivated by money as we all are, because I got kids to feed, but I'm also <laughs> mostly motivated by just like curiosity. And mm -hmm. like, I really want the truth out there. I know that sounds like almost like cr that's really cringy what I just said, but like, I, I feel like when I, I say that, you know, I just want to get to the bottom of, of this. I don't need to, uh, because a lot of times I don't have strong opinions on stuff. I think that helps me because I'm like, if I don't have an ideology, I'm just sitting here always just questioning everything and just like taking everything with a grain of salt. I think that's mm -hmm. maybe how all of us should be. Yeah. I don't know. And I feel like with you, it's a lot of times you're just like, what you're reacting to is just kind of like the most obvious grifter crap. You know, it's <laughs> like, it's not like it's... um. You're not reacting like that debate you showed me earlier that with uh, Richard Wolf and yeah, because like, it's hard. It's harder to make <laughs> comedy out of something like that because they're two at basically academics. You know, they're two academics who are and they're going, coming at good faith. They're coming they're in good faith. Absolutely. When, yeah. when it when it becomes bad faith uh, or a scam or whatever or propaganda, then it's like it's so much more fun to make. I mean, you know, it's it, it's it's fun to make fun of that. You know, and it's like, then you have an opening to actually like goof on something because it's, you're not just explaining stuff, you know? And you so. make fun of yourself as well. I make fun of myself. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. the thing. It's all, it's all game. Yeah. And um. I also maybe me, you know, maybe me and you have a different view of the internet than, you know, the people like Gen Z people like you were talking about, because like, I don't know. I always, when, when we first probably started using the internet, we saw it as maybe like a novelty, you know, like AOL, these chat rooms, maybe you, my, you know, my friend would come over and we would like, you know, troll people and stuff in, in, in message boards and stuff. So we almost like, I, my beginning of the internet was like basically as like a toy and I still see it like that a little bit, even though it's clearly much more than that there, to, to come at it as like, it's a place to do goofs, you know, it's a place you can learn. And like actual knowledgeable people like you can like share knowledge, but it's also like, you know, I think you also have the heart of like somebody who feels that about the internet, that it's, you know, you can goof around on it too, you know? It's also how we cope with the absurdity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, thank you for the, uh, that Andrew. And, and thanks for the kind words from Michigan. Appreciate that. I see you. Yeah. Uh, although you're, Profile pick is scaring the crap out of me. I know. What tonight. is that? Just stare at it for a long time. It looks like a, uh, it almost looks like a David Lynch painting or something. David <laughs> Lynch. Yeah. He, he paints these very weird, creepy paintings and it kind of looks like that. At first I thought it was maybe like an x-ray or something. It's very, very weird. Andrew, yeah, you got to explain that. Explain that to us. 
Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. I got, yeah, two, two more questions for you here. Uh, we're all right. on the home stretch. So, and they're kind of serious, but we can, that's okay. It's all right. <laughs> that's all right. So what political issues do you think are the most important ones to focus on as far as like, what, what should we be putting more of our effort into reforming? What should get priority as far as political uh, issues? I don't know. Like, you know, I'm just trying to figure all this stuff out as well. Like, I don't want to speak like I'm an expert or some like, um, you know, <laughs> political strategist or organizer or whatever. But like, I can tell you like what I think is the most interesting where there actually seems to be some movement, you know, um, or some real serious movement is with, I think maybe like Gen Z people, but also like people um, getting interested in like unionizing and all that stuff, because that's like, that feels to me, you know, and from what I understood with my very basic understanding of, you know, uh, history and all this stuff is like that sort of, um, yeah, like when people start thinking of like their everyday lives as political and not just like in a spectacle way, but in a like, I have to do, you know, it, it's basically just becomes part of life. Like in a lot of European countries, it's like that. Like, no, nope, we're not going to like my favorite story is uh, this guy, Matt Brunig talked about this, where I think it was in either Norway or Finland. McDonald's wanted to come in and they wanted to um, they wanted to basically like not work with the unions there because they have a very strong unions in, in that part of the part of the world from what I understand, you know, and, mm -hmm. and McDonald's didn't want to deal with the unions and they didn't want to deal with their pay level and all that kind of stuff. They were like, we're going to do basically what we do in America here and what they did. And this is like just a different view of politics. This is a different sort of like, you know, normal people doing things. Politics is they basically stopped building the McDonald's. They just like left the crap. They just, <laughs> they left the equipment. They left the stores half built. They, the truck driver stopped delivering the, the goods, you know, um, <clears throat> I think it's called a solidarity strike or something like that across industries. And they were like, we're just mm -hmm. going to kind of stop building your stuff until you agree to pay them, you know, an entry level McDonald's worker, $22 an hour or whatever, you know? And like, I don't know, that kind of stuff is more interesting to me. Cause it's, you know, it's, it's, Ha it's happening right now. It's people just say, we don't let, you know, it's just, there's something way more interesting about normal people saying, we don't like this. We're just going to do something about it, you know? And it seems like there's yeah. some of that going on in the U S that, that could be interesting. It could maybe make positive change. That reminds me of the German um, works councils that they have. Have you heard of those? Yeah. Yeah. I know a, a tiny bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so essentially like, a lot of companies, I think this is a law too. It has to be this way that they have to have like average workers on their, their boards. Yep. It's not like just rich people with lots of assets that have no stake in it. Like yeah. the everyday business. Um, yeah. That's really interesting. It really, yeah, it really. And that's a big reason why they have better working conditions and higher pay in Germany. Um, so I, stuff like that. Yeah. Like we don't even, I only found out about that cause I think it was probably, some documentary that I saw that in or something, <laughs> but, yeah. uh, you know, it's like, yeah, there, I think labor rights is something that it is good to see that getting more attention. Me personally, I always talk about voting reforms. I'm always mm. stuck on that because I feel like if, if you don't take care of that, then everything else is just going to be kind of stuck. Gonna, yeah. Yeah. 
and they're gonna uh, yeah that that's yeah that's interesting to see what's been going on with that with with voting rights and just like voter suppression and all that stuff is is you know pretty terrible um i am kind of interested in the idea you know I and mean, there there's people a lot you know that i pay attention to and like stuff in the news that i've been looking at people talking about and they were talking about this sort of when like bernard sanders was running for president <laughs> was um just this idea of like what a political base is and like what a political base wants and what they can do to influence politicians to solidify what they want into law and all that stuff, you know? Um, so I'm interested to see like how in the future, you know, you know, with, with, you know, people working people today, but also like the zoomers who are growing up now, how, what if they're going to be able to maybe put more pressure on politicians, you know, or have this base that's going to be more about, you know, yeah, things like that, like vote, they're going to really pressure for voting reform, you know, for, um, for, you know, workers rights kind of stuff is I'm interested to see if that happens, you know, I mean, part of that's also like the citizens United case, uh, yes, yep. case, which, uh, in my opinion, actually, I, I, People don't like it when I say this, but I do think the court actually technically got that right. It doesn't mm -hmm. mean that that it should be that way. I think that we should change, literally amend the freaking constitution to mm -hmm. make it so that that money can't just buy politics. And then I was actually a uh, crazy enough uh, part. Part of the reason why I was inspired to reach out to you is because I I was on Destiny's uh, stream one day. Oh, wow. you know Destiny, right? Yeah. The legendary. Uh, yeah. He was he was there before. Hassan and speaking yeah. of Hassan and uh, Bosch, I think what I like about you compared to those two is like you're just nicer. Like, <laughs> I mean, they, they could be kind of mean. Yeah. Know? Anyway, uh, so I was chatting with Destiny about this very issue, and he mm -hmm. was just like, you know, I don't think that money really like because if you look at somebody like Bernie Sanders, mm -hmm. um, a lot of his support was grassroots, you know, mm -hmm. and so you can still break into the game uh you know without all the money behind you with from but my counter argument to that was like yeah but i mean sanders was he was part of the establishment mm -hmm. <laughs> people forget that he had been in the senate for decades when he mm -hmm. finally became a household name and ran for president in, in 2016 mm -hmm. so yeah like uh there's a certain like there's just a lot of people that i think they can't break into the mainstream because they literally just there's not the uh the money money yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, that, <laughs> that's one of the big like critiques that um you know I, um that i mean that's yeah that's one of the that's one of the just big critiques of our government is that like without money you can't even you can't even run you can't get enough attention you can't get, you cannot get people to vote for you. Like money does really run the game. I mean, you can't do it without money and a lot of money. So it's like, you know, it's, it's, it, it would be, I, I honestly, like all this stuff, I'm so interested to see what like the alternate history version would be where <laughs> stuff like Citizens United is just, we never come close to that where it's just like, it's, you know, and even like maybe there's laws what well you know it's just like because there's all these different kind of things that that people like um 
Kirsten Cinema is a good example of somebody who's just like <laughs> really started doing the, you know, just more openly doing the the um the work of of donors and stuff like that. So it's like, yeah, it'd be just really interesting to see what society would be like if that kind of thing was just like not at all allowed yeah. or not at all a factor, you know. Everybody had the same amount of money to work with for a campaign. That would be fascinating to see that actually yeah. in action. Yeah. And the other thing that I was thinking about too is like, you know, our government is really, I think, and I think both sides are guilty of this, of like spectacle, you know, like doing spectacle instead of what almost as celebrities, instead of what we what would be so much more interesting which is like, no, they're actual public servants. Like they're, they're, <laughs> they're, they're actually like, oh, my life is a little bit better. Like this, whatever credit card company can't rip me off. This uh, insurance company can't rip, rip me off anymore because they went in there and said, you can't do that. They actually regulate, um, you know, oh, um, housing is easy to find, you know, like in every neighborhood, there is an affordable housing with its, you know, mixed, uh, you know, mixed income kind of, you know, stuff like that, stuff that like for normal people, and, and the, you know, the idea of a pub of a group of public servants who's like quietly just we we just notice, oh, my life's a little bit better. And they did that would be much more interesting to me <laughs> than like, oh, they're yelling at each other in the House of Representatives. There was almost a fight like that thing. Oh, no. You know, <laughs> oh, you know, oh, th that one that I like is talking to the other one that I don't like. Oh, you know, it's oh, yeah. it sounds like it turning into Jerry Springer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, you know, what? yeah, whatever. Okay, sorry. There's a, No, that, there's the explanation that you, you craved. So thank uh, you again, Andrew. Is a swamp booger. <laughs> uh, what I, is that? Do you know what that is? Do you know nope. what he's talking about? Oh, my God. <laughs> nope, well, maybe, not at all. Maybe it's some kind of a, it could be some kind of an animal or something. You guys are awesome, though. I wonder. Uh, uh, have you heard of the Keating Five scandal? I've heard of it. I don't know much about it, but I, I will look into that, Andrew. The Keating, I do know what that is. I will hold on. That definitely rings a bell. I'm sure Alexa knows. Yeah, <laughs> she always knows. I know. Yeah, no, this sounds familiar. I know I've I've read about this. I just don't remember all the details. I'll add that to my list as well. Things to check out. Yep, John McCain was involved. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah, I do. I do remember this. I remember. I remember them talking about this in the news. <clears throat> I just don't all right. Remember all the yeah, we're on. Let's. Uh, I think it's your. It's your turn. Yeah, we got. We got a couple more for, for or one more maybe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe one. Maybe we should just do one. Um, uh, I guess I kind of, I kind of um maybe asked about this, but I wanted to as a historian. I think. A lot of um, people who are interested in U.S. history are maybe interested in like the westward expansion stuff. I mm -hmm. mean, what do you have to say about that, about maybe like the ideal of America, of a place that you could go and like have a small plot of land and not be ruled over by a king or whatever? You know, do you, what do you ah. think of that? What do you think of that like theory of, of history or early American history? This sort of like, um, I don't know very into sort of like you're the place where you could like be an individual and rule your own whatever little fiefdom or whatever yeah no it's uh it's a huge part of american uh culture i mean yeah. it's uh 
just owning land. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the the right to property. It's it goes back to John Locke, and then the founding fathers. Like they always are talking about property. You know, unfortunately, property <laughs> also extended to human freaking beings. But uh, yep. <laughs> but yeah, like uh, actually, got, this is an opportunity to shout out my Oregon Trail video. We did a video where. We drove the Oregon Trail. I dragged my entire family with me uh, in a Tesla. We drove it's amazing because I had never driven an EV before, let alone a Tesla. And we rented one, and we turned it into a video. We drove the entire Oregon Trail, and uh, I learned a lot actually. That I, you know, I always assumed I knew a lot about the Oregon Trail because I was really fascinated about it growing up. I used to play the computer yeah, game that you classic play- game yeah, yeah. See, you know yeah yeah oh, we're the oh, same oh. age that and sim city were uh, pretty <sighs> pretty huge yeah i love sim city <laughs> uh but anyway so i something that a lot of people don't bring up enough i think in terms of uh westward expansion is all the free land that mostly europeans got so when we talk about stuff like systemic racism today I know that triggers some folks when they hear that no systemic racism doesn't exist. Well, <laughs> it does, but it's not, it, it's not, I mean, you know, we don't need to, we can still lift everybody up rising mm-hmm. uh, where they say, yeah, we can all, this not a zero sum game, right? but a lot of people had opportunities that are just insane to think about today. Like if you made it to Oregon and the 1840s and you were white you got three you could get 300 acres of land for free your wife also could so you you and your wife could have 600 acres of free land in the willamette valley we're talking some of the most fertile land in the entire world automatically you're going to be well off you know whatever Mm kind of agriculture you're doing and then 20 years down the line 30 years down the line you're going to pass that down to your son or daughter, probably usually son. Um, and they're going to have, and the land value of all that is going to be, whew, wait, and then yep. flash forward to today. And you look at old wealth and I know a lot of old wealth gets lost because it gets squandered, yada, yada. But at the same time to have that advantage um, when most of our wealth is just tied to real estate, if mm-hmm. that's the only, it's so connected to the so-called American dream is like, yeah, being able to own a home. Yeah, <laughs> that's why it was so important for a lot of the uh, politicians and and the the mid 1900s in particular, talk 1940s to the 1960s. They're always talking. Everybody should own a home. It's a, like he was even one of Franklin Roosevelt's uh, second Bill of Rights. Right. Rights. I forgot yeah. about that second Bill of Rights. Right. Yeah. So so when we talk about and then we talk about westward expansion as if this is all land that was wilderness. When and of course we always neglect that it was. No, there were people there. Native Americans already were on that land. We just took it from them. We broke treaties. And and so it's, uh, but at the same time, I can still see the positive side to it. Because, you know, uh, there's this spirit that kind of came. When you think about all the immigrants that came to this country, uh, it's it's pretty cool. Like Like, because they all came here to, you know, with their little dreams. And they wanted to make them... They wanted a better life and they wanted economic opportunity. And for the first time, you, they had it, you know, mm-hmm. and other places too, Canada a little bit. Yeah, Australia. Uh, but so I, I, it's not all negative. We shouldn't just only focus on the negative parts of it. But 
Yeah, it really is ingrained in our, it carries over to today, that spirit of the, the um, uh, westward expansion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, that part of, um, I mean, the, you know, that and the civil war are just like, you know, I, I could just read about that. And I, I've always wanted to uh, do something like that, like actually go on the Oregon trail or like go back, you know, I have family that lives in Carolina, in the Carolinas and like going through that and like go being actually being at some of these, you know, historical places, especially like civil war um, locations and stuff is like, I don't know. I think that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh most of the history is, is back East, I guess. That's kind of, yeah. We don't Absolutely. have all those civil war sites out. Probably Texas has some, I bet, right? Like there's the well, you got you got the Alamo. Yeah, we got the Alamo, but that you know, the Alamo is it's cool, but it's you know, it's a, a big tourist trap. Um, but yeah. it, but it's it, it's interesting to see, you know, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, glad you're into history. That makes us this has made the conversation so much better. I was a little worried about that. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm all glad right. I'm I'm glad to talk about it. I'm glad you're interested in it too. Well, I kind of am. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess uh, we'll end it on this last question I had for you. Uh, and again, it's maybe too serious, but hey, if you before I ask this, check out subscribe to RM Brown. Um, it, when you go over there to his channel, if you're a regu regular viewer of mine, you might be surprised. To like, oh, Mr. B watches this content. I don't care. <laughs> it's okay. It's, it's it's awesome. Check it out. Yeah. Um, and it is. It makes me laugh all the time. Um. <laughs> But yeah, on a serious note here, like society, um, I always, I ask this a lot to a lot of people, like what is the big solution that you have for society when, and I, let me help you out a little bit here. Like it's obvious we have a lot of people that don't really, they, <coughs> excuse me. See, I'm so, cho I'm choked <laughs> up about this. They, <clears throat> they think that they think for themselves, but they don't like we, we, we literally, we, we'd have a lack of critical thinking. Uh, is there a way to solve that? Because critical thinking is hard. So how, like, how are we going to do this? Would you have a... Well, maybe you can, you can um, tell me what you think about this. Because I've been bringing this up as an example, like an easy go-to example on my channel every once in a while, which is like, you know, Finland, right, is always known as like one of the better or or the best it ranks always at the top of education right and yeah. one thing i did not know is that they actually do some kind of um they do some kind of research i can't remember what the actual um paper is called but you can read it and i think from what i remember reading about is finland is actually one of the least one of the places where people are least likely to fall for fake quote unquote fake news so to me really? that's like yeah i think i i, I can i'll find that paper um, but, fake uh, news. what you just said, that's fake news. What you just said, I could be <laughs> that now that'd be a very poetic thing that I just did if that were the case. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so, you know, I mean, you know, to me, that seems like the only thing you can do right for, for people to not fall for stupid stuff is for them is for everybody to, to raise the tide education wise for everybody, you know, and then people will, um, be more savvy, but you be be less susceptible to really. We're talking like the Prager U 
you know, the worst of PragerU misinformation. There, that stuff is not going to stick as much, I think. Yeah. Uh, but there's also like, um, um, there's also like, it, I think if people have more time too, like this is something I've been thinking about a lot too. Ooh. If people had more time, I think they would be able to learn and read more rather than, you know, because um, a lot of, you know, I've worked in offices where people will get, Prager U videos or Ben Shapiro videos. And if you're just kind of listening to that in the background with no, where you're not really looking at it critically, it, it'll just kind of sink in. You know what I mean? Mm. So, um, so people having more free time would, would probably in my estimation, probably help too. All right. So universal basic income I see is what you're for. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm a big fan of UBI. Um, no, yeah, I found, uh, I found, probably what you're referencing at the media literacy index. Um, that's what it is. That's what it is. Yeah. yeah. This is, mm -hmm. this is fascinating. So Finland's at the top, Denmark, Netherlands, right behind Sweden. What a surprise, right? <laughs> well, yeah. I, I mean, I wonder a lot of these studies, you know, it's good to get into the actual bare bones. Like how did they conduct the study and all that stuff? But I, I wouldn't be surprised if this were the case. I mean, if, if you have a society that really, I mean, their teachers in Finland, like I know you, you're like, um, you know, you're, you're a very, to me, a very serious academic and you have, you know, a master's degree and all this stuff. I think like to be even a grade, a grade school teacher, you need like that level of education to be a teacher in Finland. So they really want people who are going to like put into these students head, like this kind of critical thinking. So I'm not shocked that they rank that high for media literacy, you know, I mean, it seems pretty simple. I mean, you're not going to get everybody, but the percentage is going to be higher, you know? So, yeah, it's as simple as, as teaching media literacy skills. Um, yeah. Which you're doing, you're, you're critically thinking when you do that. Cause I, I mean, critical thinking, the definition I always give of that is like, it's your, you, you're given a, uh, an argument or claim Mm -hmm. And you're just trying to determine if that claim is true, if it's mostly true, partially true or false. So you're just kind of going through the the uh, and there's different tools to do that. Um, but, yeah, it's a it's a long, arduous process. And so, mm -hmm. like you said, you make up a really good point that I hadn't really thought too much about is like a lot of times people are just so busy grinding it out, working two to three jobs like. By the way, what's your, like, I imagine you don't just YouTube, like you have other jobs, right? Yeah. My main thing, I mean, that people can probably tell, um, I do less of it now. I'm more of like sort of a contract worker now, but I do, my main thing is video editing. Um, ah. so I do like video editing jobs for like ads and stuff like that. Nice. Uh, yeah. well, yeah, you do. Uh, sorry to keep like boosting your ego, but mm -hmm. your, your videos are well edited. Um, oh, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So I'm just trying to boost your confidence, RM. Well, hey, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of yours too. Yeah, I think you're. <laughs> I think you're doing something that's like, you know, really, really valuable and really like. I'm. I, I was. I was happy to hear that you have a lot of young audience members because it's it's cool to have a, like a teacher who's like actually interesting and cool and like passionate. You know, it's like I. You know, most people <laughs> only have like a couple of those when they're growing up. You know. I appreciate that. I, a lot of my students thought I was pretty lame though. Uh, are these, are these two guys dating? Mr. Beat is taken. Oh uh, man. Shade. Oh 
Yeah, I, lo- I love putting, I love putting up comments that um make fun of me. Oh, and Mrs. <laughs> B is freak, freaking amazing. Thanks for the shout out there, Lisa. She's my support system. Um, anyway, uh, I forgot what I was saying, but yeah, like <laughs> media literacy. That's yeah, that's that's a great thing to kind of end cool. on too. Absolutely. Uh, so before we go, uh, I guess you want to promote anything like, uh, um, yeah, I mean, just, uh, if you can, if you're so inclined to do so, uh, I would be honored and amazed. Uh, if you followed me on youtube.com, that's on YouTube, uh, that's on YouTube, that famous, um, quote that's on YouTube. Uh, yeah, it's RM Brown and I've been, uh, I, I, I upload every day, but Two of the, you know, Tuesdays and Thursdays are behind a Patreon paywall. So if you want to support the show, you get extra videos. That's pretty much it. Ooh, you can and I do all kinds of, do all kinds of stuff behind the Patreon, actually. So, yeah, yeah. RM can do no wrong. Yeah, <laughs> I told you. I got. I, 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 I watch your stuff. Um, yeah. So thank you for being on here tonight and uh, spending your Sunday evening here. And audience, thanks for being here as well. Uh, uh join the muscular class join it <laughs> grief gone <laughs> i love that username grief gone wild That's grief cool. gone wild interesting i want to know a lot of the backstory to a lot of this stuff the the avatar the guy with the weird avatar grief gone wild all this stuff there's a lot going on here this is great we we have great audiences uh all <laughs> right well uh that will be a night and uh thanks for being here and uh uh, toodles. Uh, bye-bye, as you say. All right. <laughs>